No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Uh, July 4th has come and gone, and but all of America is back on a different day. That wasn't really intentional. It's just how it worked out. Uh, well, it was intentional. I mean, we chose the day, but uh, we didn't plan to change it. It was just how we worked out the uh, scheduling for tonight's guest because I was chomping at the bit to get him on the show. I had heard he really kind of wasn't doing many interviews anymore, and then I woke up uh, last week, and I saw he posted he was looking for shows to go on, and I was like, shit, shit, come on my show, come on my show, holy shit. So I was immediately harassing and haranguing him like all last, uh, I don't know, Wednesday morning to, <laughs> to, get, to get him on the show, and now we've got it. So uh, so welcome back to the show. He is an iconic uh, conspiracy theory researcher. He's an absolute legend in the field of parapolitics. Uh, if he didn't coin the term parapolitics, he's been the one who's popularized it probably more than anybody. And, uh, you know, he's, he's an all-time great, and he's revered by myself and a lot of my close friends, like Greg Bishop and Adam Grow-Rightly. I know they really look up to him, and I'm sure many other people that I'm tight with. So, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, a, he's an icon, folks, and he's back on Banal of America to help us celebrate the final season and to talk about something I have wanted to talk about for so long on this show, and we'll get into that in a moment. But welcome back to the show, Ken Thomas. Thank you for uh, joining us here on Season 10. Tim, Tim, hi. I'm, I'm, I'm so flattered by everything you just said. It just uh, bowls me over. Thank you for that warm welcome. Oh, man, I mean it. I mean it, dude. <laughs> something, you know, it's, it's kind of like part of the fabric of the show, dude. We celebrate the legends and the people who have put the time in and, and, and sacrificed, you know, decades of their life on, on these subjects and stuff. You know, I have so much, yeah. as somebody who's put a, a considerable chunk of my life into this over a decade now, it's like, to, uh, and I know how hard that's been for me. So it's, look, I'm going to make it all yeah. about me. So, <laughs> so well, I see other folks, you know, who put multi-decades yeah. in, it's like, wow. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so nice that you're still there, Tim, and everybody that you just mentioned, it's just, Nice that they're all still around because, really, I did kind of go into what I call semi-retirement, you know, after years of doing Steam Shovel Press and writing and everything for a couple of reasons. You know, part of it was that the whole conspiracy scene just dwindled down, down to nothing. Many major figures died, you know, uh, yeah. friends of mine, John Judge, Acharya S., all that kind of stuff. So I've been slipping into a, a early middle age or early old age, late middle age, I guess. There you go. Yeah, and and it, you know 
after thinking about it for a while, I got to missing it. So uh, that's why I started with another book. And uh, this is actually the first interview. Uh, so I, I did an interview specifically about the Maury Island case a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but this, this is the first interview that I really done that's opening up the whole menu to whatever we want to talk about. So thank nice. you very much. Dude, thank you. Dude, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, yeah. that's awesome. I'm psyched. I'm psyched that we can be the first show to uh, crack open uh, Trumpocalypse Now, which I absolutely <laughs> loved. It is the new book, Trumpocalypse Now. Talk about timely. Folks, this book, <laughs> yeah, in a way, I think you can appreciate this. It's like, because we were kind of talking about it today on, on, the, uh, on the Facebook. It's like, it's, it's hard to even write a book this, this recent because so much has happened since the book came out. It's like, holy shit. But Yeah, that's absolutely right. Actually, I, I, I got the idea. I had the hope, actually, when I wrote the book, by the time I got to the end of it, that it would actually be more like a souvenir program. <laughs> you know, the Trump would have self-destructed by now, and that's why everybody would want this little memento of the Trump years. But it's dragging on, dragging on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even for people like me who've been following this really closely, it's like it really is a must-have because it's sort of a, it, uh, it 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 catches you up and sort of is a refresher and reminds you sort of how we got here and all the different elements that sort of came into play and and it uh, describing it as a program is really that's that's really an apt description in a sense where it's like these are the players and this is <laughs> yeah yeah it's like, it's like it's, you know it's like the, the old pin pin uh, bulletin board model of stuff this is m- making these points early on in this thing and you know as you watch the news actually you can relate it all back a, a lot of times the news fake news or, <laughs> or the mainstream media or whatever uh loses track of where all these uh trains of thought and activities start you know they, i mean there's still characters out there that they're they're, they're trying to deconstruct but uh, their histories kind of get lost in the discussion so it's a good book for that purpose oh yeah um, absolutely yeah. And, and and i'll say this too because you have a good sense of humor similar to mine it's very there's a, <laughs> a lot of places in there where there's laughs so it's like with this whole thing now i it's funny i should say this ahead of time i guess i, I should preface this for the listeners if you I mean, I don't know how Ken feels. I think I kind of know how Ken feels, but he sort of plays it pretty, pretty. Uh, he's not as vehement as I am. I fucking hate Donald Trump, folks. I really just can't stand him, and I think he's a traitor, and I'm a believer in the Trump-Russia conspiracy. So, like, I, <laughs> I, I will. I'm a card-carrying member of the Trump-Russia conspiracy theorists. So I've been saying it for a while, and I'm, I'm, I'm fucking walking around with my chest puffed out this week because of all this shit that's happened this week. So. You know, I believe that's true, and I think he's a shitty asshole, treason, treasonous bastard. <laughs> so that's well, my okay. warning. That's my warning for the listeners who who are Trump fans, or I think people who don't want to hear politics have already shut it off. But but for Trump fans, you know, sorry, that's just how I feel about the guy. You know, I just I just think he's a lousy person and a random, well, you know, awful person. Well, I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to inject here that uh, for those people who are sympathetic for Trump. The, those theories are discussed in the book as well. You know, uh, it, it is. I mean, how can you, uh, how can you not be against Trump? So, in the broad stroke thing, yeah, it's 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 kind of an anti-Trump book, but it's more like it's like my other books. It's yeah. a, kind of a, a sociological survey exactly. of exactly of yeah. everything. I mean, I should point out. I mean, part of the book is, uh, you know, back in the in the Clinton years, back in the early '90s, I wrote an article for the Washington Post in which I outlined all of the conspiracies that were going to be coming up in the, in, in the Clinton years. Mm. And that 
and that actually became when uh, Hillary Clinton later came up with the notion of the vast right-wing conspiracy. They issued a, uh, not a dossier, but some kind of packet of stuff. And the first article that they included was uh, uh, was this article that I'd written for the Washington Post. So right. it's not like, you know, this is not like a, a Clinton advocacy or a Democratic advocacy book as opposed to, to Trump. I mean, yeah, I mean, you notice on the cover, for instance, in the four corners, there's a Democrat. Uh, there's a, I'm sorry, there's a uh, no for a Republican, there's a donkey for a Democrat, there's an octopus for me, because that's what I'm known for, an octopus for, and then there's a rhino. And not a lot of people get that about the rhino. I mean, because if you're a Republican, just because you're a Republican, it doesn't mean you're, you're a Trump guy. A Republican name only. Right, right, right. A lot of people, you know, represent Trump in that thing. Absolutely, yeah. And I should say, too, just to, if they haven't already shut off the show, it's like, it's not, it's not that I think just that Trump's an asshole. I think a lot of these people are assholes, okay? I was no, I was no Hillary Clinton fan either, but, you know, it, as, for all the people that are, like, throwing back to her all the time, where it's, you know, in the news now, where it's like, well, she did this and she did that. It's like, dude, Donald Trump's the fucking president. I don't care what she did. You know, she lost. Yeah, that's, out. So yeah, that's over. <laughs> that's over. To steal but Roger Stone's phrase it's it's dawn's time in the battle he's it's his time in the barrel now so it's like that's that's just how it is so well and also they you know they represent a class they represent that you know what that little one percent of uh, super wealthy people that that run the world and all the all the wealth of the world is concentrated at the top and you know the rest of us get to come so they're both of that class so it's not you know the thing that separate people are not democrat and republican really and it's not race or uh a uh, social preference or anything like that. It's primarily class, you know. It's, mm-hmm. and, and, and these people that make it into that circle, they're the greeniest, most ambitious, um, aggressive people there are. So anything you can say about them is not likely to be an insult. It's not likely to be untrue. I mean, they, 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 all they are is greedy, lying bastards, and uh, that's how they attain power, you know. Exactly. Trump's one of the main examples. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's like they're all bastards, folks. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> you know, it's it's. Yeah, let's not think about the Donalds for this. But the point, the point of the book, though, the, yeah. the, I mean, the subtitle of the book is the uh, the triumph of the conspiracy spectacle. Right, right, and, exactly. And I've had people think, you know, that that again, I'm trying, I'm trying to say that this was a good thing. Uh, I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying that it's a thing, and that Trump is actually a manifestation of the the um, the spectacle culture that we live in. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah, what brought him the power was television fame and uh and, and and actually what we've just been doing, you know, putting him down, ridicule, that was he fed off of that. The more they ridiculed him, the culture ridiculed. Every night he's on you know, Stephen Colbert, you know, throwing insults at him, you know. And those guys you know I mean he's the funniest Goofiest guy who ever ran for president, and that's star quality. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And people, uh, you know, we did we did like an election night show where it was just a complete like it was like the Hindenburg uh, <laughs> broadcast, and uh, you know, and and people called in. They were like, you know, stop being like stop insulting. Like I get why people voted for the guy. I get it. I uh, you know, I get it and from all the different reasons. You know, there are a whole bunch of reasons why people voted for him. I get it, but. It's like, sorry, but I don't know. You know, and the funny part is you say in the book, I'm kind of jumping in a sense to the end because it just popped into my head, but it's sort of a jumping off point from what you 
what, what I was just saying here is um, because something I said in the past, and you you sort of say it in different words at the end of the book, and it's like, uh, yeah, I, I kind of have said this to people before. It's like, you know, yes, Trump is this absolute cartoon figure, but like for good or ill, we don't know necessarily because it's not going to happen for the future till the future. But like somebody who's a lot slicker and a, with a lot less baggage is going to like tap into this whatever he tapped into. And it could be good or it could be bad, you know? Well, well, something has to arise from the ashes. I mean, it's it's pretty clear he's not going to survive, you know, his term. And it's going to be crash and burn, and then we're going to have this Pence guy who apparently is distancing himself now from the Donald. Right. And, but, you know, who's another total nothing. And, and you know, the Democrats aren't very organized uh, with any kind of leadership either. So we're really entering into a chaotic post-Trump period, mm. you know, and we're going to crash and burn on Trump and God knows what's going to happen. Now that's a scary, you know, scary, a horrible thing in many people's eyes, but it's also an opportunity, you know, for things to change and grow in ways that we can't imagine that might be good. Right. So, right. You know, exactly. I'm yeah. pessimist about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, there was this energy out there. And like you said, the, I think you said in the book, you know, like the media, the media and, and the Democrats haven't really responded to sort of what motivated these people to vote for Trump, you know, the disenfranchised people I'm talking about, not like just bad people, not the deplorables, um, but the, the disenfranchised people, you know. And like yeah, I said, I get why they voted for him. So it's like no one's, you know, some people are. I mean, some people are kind of ta- figuring it out. But it's like on a greater sense, they've completely just moved on from that. And now they're just like Trump, Russia, Trump, Russia. You know, they're not like, hey, why'd we, why'd we lose to this guy? Yeah, well, the, the the demographic that you know the Wisconsin people, you know the the blue collar people that voted for Trump, really bought a con. It's a con. I mean, he's not on their side. He's not of their class. He does not have their best interests at, at heart. You know, and uh, it, it may be hard for them to hear that, but you know, it's what they have to understand if we're ever going to uh, uh, move forward from this. But this was a mistake, and everybody is hurting from it. the Russian thing. Is just one. You know, it's just the big. That they're using now. Although I should say in the book, I, I do one thing that you don't actually see a lot of in uh, the various media, and that is there's a whole chapter called the Parapolitics of Russia. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, in which I go, I go, you know, I, I, I go name by name through all the people who have been assassinated, starting with Litvinenko, uh, who died from uh, uh, polonium poisoning, uh, you know, which takes a nuclear reactor to actually get the stuff, and. Uh, demonstrate, you know, that that's why we don't want to be such friends with Russia. They are assassins of their own political leadership, you know. And as somebody who spent a lot of time writing about uh, the JFK case, you know, I mean, that was what was was wretched about that experience in, in our history, that, uh, you know, our the CIA had something to do with, with without going into too many of the theories, the CIA, our secret government, our military-industrial complex had JFK killed. You know, everybody understands that. Anybody who looks at the literature uh, and, and, and reads enough of it knows that that's true. And, in fact, that's also the uh, official conclusion of the U.S. government. You know, right. About that. The Russians do that as a matter of hard, the hardwired structure of the way they operate as a government. You know, not, not as a one-off, even though obviously JFK wasn't a one-off either. I mean, RFK, Martin Luther King, I mean, for the longest time, assassination was the way – uh, people came to power here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But it's, it's it's totally hardwired into the Russian system, and you know we we, we don't want that to have to be 
uh, a worldwide way of doing business. You know? Right, um, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, we don't want, yeah, that's one thing we, it's one of many things we don't want to adopt, <laughs> the, the Russian so, way of doing yeah. things, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so the last thing, that, that chapter, you know, if anybody gets the book, then I, I hope they read the, that chapter over, uh, over any other, just to review that history. I mean, because people have kind of the vague idea that Russia's a bad place and they do bad things. You know, they, you, you really need to go through case by case and see how they've uh, assassinated people, killed people, killed the press. Right, um, right. Yeah, yeah, it's it. wild. Like that chapter yeah. keeps going because you're like, it just keeps going and you're, you're going, you know, you're like, what the, this gets oh, yeah, heavy, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. The I said uh, in my sort of like text preview of this, it's like you – you say something in uh, – well, the book really kind of like sums up a lot of what I've been thinking, but you say it, it so eloquently, uh, something that I've been nibbling at the edges of over the last like uh, 10, 9, 10 weeks of doing this show since we came back from our long hiatus. And uh, you say uh, this sort of discourse, a battle of conspiracies, became central to public discussion and celebrated by Trump supporters. Now, aside from the part that it's celebrated by Trump supporters, the big takeaway here is what I – I've been saying on the show for ages uh, the last few weeks, it's like the world has gotten so fucked up that it's it's just like what conspiracy theory do you believe? Like people don't – there's no shared reality unless you're all in the same – you know, well, it's, a, it's a bifurcated reality or something like that. It's a, it's a, it's a multi-fragmented reality that centers around all these different conspiracy theories. You know, it's like well, you either think yeah. Trump colluded with Russia – and there's a connection there or something, or you think that it's all made up, and that's a conspiracy. So it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. You know, it's crazy. Right. And you and so I know as, as well as anybody are is to convince a conspiracy no. theorist to change your mind. So that yeah, makes me right. worried about the, fu- the future of the well, country. Well, the thing is, there's, you know, Trump is on and on about what is fake news, and he's trying to tell us that you know, anything that CNN or MSNBC reports is, it's fake news. But the thing is, there are also fake conspiracy theories, you know. And uh, uh, one of the points I make, I do a whole chapter, in fact, called Conspiracy Celebrity. And the example that I point out is uh, Jesse Ventura. Right. If you remember Jesse, he's a, a great conspiracy theorist. And, and he's only one of many people that take on the mantle of being a conspiracy theorist. It's part of their public profile, part of their public relations. Here comes that conspiracy theorist guy who's really cued in on, on, on the darkness. But mm. Jesse Ventura came into power during a time when, um, uh, I don't know, when a, when a guy I knew, the, 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 uh, the governor here, Mel Carnahan, died in a plane crash. And, uh, uh, he, they were, and he was supposedly, John Ashcroft was supposed to, to, to take over his spot after he died in this air crash, but it actually went to his widow, and John Ashcroft became the attorney general. This is in the early 2000s, during the George Bush years. Mm-hmm. Paul Wellstone, uh, senator from Minnesota, died in a plane crash. You know, uh, Minnesota, where uh, Jesse uh, Ventura is from. Now, Ventura doesn't have any theories about Carnahan or Wellstone, but the real, you know, those plane crashes are very curious, and you know, should be investigated by serious researchers. But Jesse Ventura is on and on about every, you know. Uh, uh, 9/11 and you know I mean, anything else that that you know will fit that little profile. But it doesn't discuss you know the actual real uh, conspiracies that could we could probably learn a lot from. 
because that whole that, that's the whole period when George Bush became president. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, a very conspiratorial graph for power right there. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's assassinations leading up to you know the the recount. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It can kind of trace from there. Yeah, to to nine eleven, and then all a whole bunch of weird. Yeah, that was a, certainly an, uh, a distinct sort of like two-year era of, of uh, high conspiracy weirdness. And and what I yeah, I have it's funny. I I took scant notes on this because I knew we were going to kind of be bebopping and uh, and scatting around during the show. So uh, I only had like a handful of notes, and one of them is exactly what you just mentioned. That's the sort of like celebrities dipping their toe in conspiracy culture, and it's like I think you made the well, you definitely made the point in the book where it's like they're not. Folks, they're not part of like the conspiracy community. They're not putting the work in. They're just co-opting the thing to give themselves like, you know, a reputation as as sort of like, uh, you know, counterculture. Yeah, it's it's, it's a toehold. Uh, you know, Alex Jones uses it to great effect. But you know, you go you you watch Infowars or, uh, or whatever he's on, and he's got to. Uh, you know he's selling vitamins and powders, and you know he's you know he's he's what he's done is he's used his conspiracy theory reputation to create a popular entertainment show that sells commercials, just for, you know CNN or anybody else, you know, right? Totally totally co-opted from 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 the first. It's all about consumerism, buying things. It's a it's a, it's, a, it's a picture of reality, uh, uh, not even reality. It's just. Uh, the spectacle, you know, it's a, uh, you know, a way of presenting the world that helps them sell things. And that's, you know, that's the fundamental conspiracy of America. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. And, and you're right about how it's like he, I mean, it, it's amazing. I've reflected on this with other people on the show. It's just amazing because I've been doing this for like uh, 11 or 12 years now. It's stunning to see how the evolution of Alex Jones like uh, I mean, that kind of encapsulates, in a way, as you say, that you know, the the, uh, the triumph of the conspiracy spectacle. It's like he was getting name dropped by the fucking president last summer. It's like right. no. Right. This, is the, Go ahead. Right. this is you know, if your memory goes back far enough, you remember that this was a guy who drove around the streets of what was it, from Austin, with a, with a megaphone. And and I actually, you know, wrote about him and reported reported about him, and he said, you know, this is great. He's a citizen uh, activist who's, you know, picking up a megaphone and is talking to anybody who listened to him, because that was really a genuine, you know, I think a genuinely unique thing. Yeah. But then it grew into an industry. Then it grew into an industry. It's co-opted and, you know, became who he is now. The, you know, the <laughs> the the prototype of the cranky old white guy. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of likened him to like the modern day, like, but a super extreme, you know, it, like Morton Downey Jr. for 2017. Like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of how yeah, I but, see him. But you can see him, you, you know, there's a there's a movie called The Waking Life. Do you, you know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's half a cartoon season. or it's cartoon or something like that. It's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. Alex Jones is in it. Yeah, actually, Alex Jones is actually in two cartoons. There's another one. I forget the title of it. It's based on the Philip K. Dick story. Uh, but Alex Jones' character is in there too. But he's, you know, actually he's a rotoscoped animation with his megaphone driving around in that movie, Waking Life. Yeah. And you know, and that's when you know that's when I thought he was worth paying attention to. And now it's kind of silly. It's like, uh, you know, something very similar is going on uh, with um, in the UFO community with Sean David Morton. 
Do you follow that? Oh, yeah, I've been closely following. I wish I was closely following Sean David Morton now because he's on the lam. He's been on the run for almost a month. I met Sean in, like, 1992 at Area 51, and I saw him from a distance. I was just a little alien, you know, the little diamond? I know. Yeah, yeah. And he was holding court, and he knew his shit. You know, he knew UFO lore, and he was was talking to, you know, people there, and, and, and he was giving tours of Area 51, and he was a young guy. And he was enthusiastic. I did an interview with him. I put it in Steam Shovel Press. And then, you know, he it, it dawned on him that all these people, he was giving it, you know, giving a genuine service from the heart when he was a young guy. And then he realized there was money in this. Yeah. And he started working these angles. Mm-hmm. And then he became the future predicting guru. And then the money got out of control. I mean, but, you know, one question I have, though, is what, what has Sean Morton, David Morton done that David Trump hasn't? <laughs> you know? That Donald Trump hasn't? Nothing. He just started, I, I guess Trump just, just he, he, you know, he was born on third and thought he hit a triple, that old thing. You know? <laughs> That's he, right. He had a, quite the head start on a charlatan like Sean David Morton. Yeah, but, you know, he's the head of the country, and Sean David Morton is some UFO nut on the, on the land from the law. Well, that's true. That's true. Well, it's funny. It, it's, uh... I mean, it's the same tax dodges, it's the same come-ons, it's the same swindles, you know. I'd love to know the thought process uh, of Donald Trump when it comes to, uh, you mentioned, like, how Sean David Morton's the UFO guy. Like, Trump, I think Trump, like, assiduously avoided the UFO topic. Cause, like, I, or somehow it never, something, there's something entirely fishy about that whole thing, because, like, that's all they fucking talked about with Hillary Clinton. Well, not all of it, but you know what I'm saying. It, came, it was a running theme of her campaign, that she was the UFO mm-hmm. lady. And, like, no one ever, for all the interviews that Trump did, no one ever asked him about it. No one brought it up. Like, what? It's so, I I don't get it. Considering the advocate under Clinton for for UFO stuff was Podesta. And it was those Podesta emails that is what the whole Trump controversy is about. So you would think that the UFO, I had to shoehorn UFO stuff in the book three different ways. Yeah. There was an incident where his helicopter was was buzzed by a UFO. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And then there's these Podesta emails. Just just because Podesta is, is well known as uh, as somebody who was uh, involved in uh, the UFO community and, and, and talking about aliens. And then the um, the other one was um, was this connection to Maury Island. <laughs> now, and, you know, thank God for this 90 degrees of separation from the JFK assassination talents that I've developed over the years. Yeah, but. Uh, but there is a there's a UFO connection uh, with uh, Trump through JFK through this whole business that uh, he came up with trying to accuse Ted Cruz's father of uh, of being there uh, with with Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, there's a UFO connection to that, and it's kind of complicated. And I'll explain it slowly if you want me to go on. But uh, yeah, but sure, a, if you want to, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's kind of it's really funny because you go remember, for it. Yeah, give the folks a taste of the of the new book, Trumpocalypse Now. Okay. See, we're okay. learning well, from Alex Jones. We're we're figuring out how to sell shit now. <laughs> That's right. Sell the book. Um, you should mention that uh, uh, Childress wanted to call the book the, the Trump Files. Oh and God! Because every that's everything, you know. You, you know that's your, that's your way of signaling it's a conspiracy book. Yeah, but it's so. Yeah, that's like the that's yeah. like that's like putting para in front of anything nowadays. It's like it yeah, means, yeah, it immediately right. loses its value. 
Yeah, it's, it's gone. That moment is it's, it's come and gone. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so the deal is, remember during the campaign, he, uh, Trump tried to make this, this big deal with this a photograph of uh, 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 Ted Cruz's father, Rafael, uh, with Lee Harvey Oswald passing out fair play for uh, Cuba flyers right. uh, around New Orleans. Uh, and uh, you know, it was, it was, it was you know the the media. The mass media, whatever the mainstream media, uh, debunked it without looking into it, um, uh, and, and you know it was all kind of laughed off. But the point that was really lost on it all was that that operation uh, in New Orleans, the Fair Play for Cuba Committee, Oswald handing out those flyers, is a cover operation. Oswald was trying to infiltrate the pro-Castro community. That's why he's passing out those flyers. It's an operation. And if Raphael was involved, and, and, you know, the dates roughly match up, it could be him. If he's involved, he's doing his patriotic duty. He's working as a CIA's uh, 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 secret agent, basically, right. passing yeah. out proteins and stuff to infiltrate that community. And that was, was lost. He was doing his patriotic duty. It should not have been anything, any mark against Ted Cruz. Uh, it was his grandfather doing something very patriotic and very dangerous. <laughs> so that was lost. The, but the but the point that brought that brings it back into the UFO world is that that operation was run by Guy Bannister, uh, and you know if you remember Oliver Stone's movie, Guy Bannister was played by Ed Asner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, uh, he's he was uh, uh, he wasn't actually prosecuted by Jim Garrison, but he was part of Jim Garrison. Uh, case in uh, you know in 1968 New Orleans because he was he wasn't he was he was active with uh, David Ferry and in Oswald Circle he's a guy who was known in 1947 he was up there in Puget Sound in Maury Island he found a 30 inch flying saucer that uh, that uh, there was a new uh, item that appeared up there in Maury Island he was part of the Maury Island the whole part of the Maury Island story. He's this long-acting actor, uh, uh, a, uh, a guy who clearly knew and must have been involved with Fred Crisman, who Garrison thought was the grassy knoll shooter. So all those all those connections are just uh, totally lost on people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I can see. You know, the, way, the way it plays in the media is that that that, that Trump came up with some strange story, uh, that you know, National Enquirer type story. And he was a fool for doing it. He was a fool. He didn't really know what the story was all about. But there's more to the story. If you actually, you know, take a look at the, you know, parapolitical underpinnings, you know, conspiracy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. That's the funny part where it's like, yeah. it's like a double reverse in some sense, you know. It's like, it's like they, yeah, 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 they shit on him for pulling it out, out of the National Enquirer, which is like code for like the conspiracy subculture, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> When it's like, oh wait a minute, dude! Actually, it's, we could look at it a whole different way, but they're too lazy to to do that. I mean, I don't even know what. Sometimes I I I get I just don't understand like how the media, you know, they just didn't they just never really seem to do their due diligence on all this. It was like always a big reality show for them, and it, and it like blew well, up on them. You know, one of the things about what Trump says about the media is that it's largely true. A lot of what he said. I mean, uh, if you ask anybody who works for CNN uh, about Lee Harvey Oswald, for instance, to a person, they will say that he acted alone. You know, that whole reality tunnel. They they have bought that whole reality tunnel where there there are no conspiracies. The idea of conspiracy 
is uh, 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 until Trump came along anyway, was anathem, anathema to them. You know, we were were all conspiracy nuts. Well, that's the Mm. thing I find interesting, too. Uh, Like, and I I don't want people to, like, freak out like I'm trying to go into hyperbole, but I I find this interesting in a sense. Like, you've got the JFK assassination, you've got 9-11, and then you have the Trump election. I feel like each one kind of, like, just blew people's minds. You know, and and caused all these conspiracies to like spring up in a big way, and that's sort of what we're living in now. Um, yeah, the spectacle. Yeah, exactly, the spectacle. Right. What I find interesting, though, is, and and like confounding in a sense, is like that. Um, I guess for JFK, it was like much later, and for nine eleven, it still really hasn't taken yet. But like the media, like didn't touch the conspiracy theory stuff. But with Trump, they're like going full bore into this conspiracy. Like it's like you, I watch this new nightly news, and I'm like, if they had fucking dug into 9/11 this bad, or fucking the JFK assassination, we wouldn't even have any any questions. Like they're going full bore to to unearth every fucking meeting these people went to every every day yeah. of the week. Like where That's the fuck was point. all this for those things? And it just really makes you think. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they've learned over the years, except that you know they still haven't caught on on on, on JFK, for instance. Right. You know, uh, you you see. In fact, you see a lot of times you see uh, Dan Rather coming on the CNN shows. You know, uh, it, it, it being critical of Trump and 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 all this stuff, as if he has never been uh, introduced into conspiracy thinking. You may remember this. There are like radio tapes of him uh, discussing the grassy knoll shot. Uh, and, and, and in reverse of what happens of what you see in the Zapruder film. Yeah, and he was like one of the only people to see it or something like that, right? So, right, that's not, right, right. And, and then when he gets on the radio, he describes it in reverse of what actually happens. And it was years, you know, much later when the thing finally came out that you can see what a contradiction. So what was he doing? You know, I mean, he's seeing the same film that everybody else sees. He can see that the shot is coming from the, uh, uh, what is it, the right front, and Kennedy goes, you know, gets pushed back to the left. But he says the reverse of that because he's trying to because because he's got a story that the bullet has to come from the grassy from the uh, book depository. Yeah. So it's it's clear there's clear clear trail clear evidence that he's involved with some kind of cover up, you know, mass media main guy on 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 TV news. And so now he's coming on and he's a super critic of the uh, conspiracy of Trump. You know, I mean that's kind of weird. Yeah, the whole thing is like weird because it makes you it even under I mean you know. As I said at the beginning, I'm a card-carrying member of the Trump-Russia conspiracy, but, you know, as I'm an open-minded individual also, I'm not one of these crazy people that's, like, on the far on either side that's, like, cannot, is immutable. And to me, it's like that if, – if there's one thing about the whole story that, like, doesn't make sense, it is, in a sense, the, uh, the voraciousness with which they're, they're going after the story. When it's like any other fucking conspiracy story, they would – completely blow off. It's like, does this mean that, you know, Trump, because uh, he insulted the media so much, he's lost the control of the media that all the other presidents ostensibly, presumably, allegedly had? Like, what is it? You know, it's very, it's confounding in a sense, I guess, just confounding. Right. Well, I mean, if you if you watch uh, Fox at all, you, you, well, yeah. You, yeah, their whole attitude is that, that all the other media, they're all Democrats that resent the fact that Hillary Clinton lost. And, um, and, 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 and that's what this is all about. Uh, and and in reality, um, 
what's actually going on, you know, and I don't, I don't defend CNN or MSNBC. What I think is actually happening is what's classically known as a false dialogue, you know, <laughs> and that's yeah. usually what happens in our election. You know, Hillary Clinton was, is, is, like I said, uh, I was in the vanguard of pointing out uh, uh, corruptions and conspiracies in that Washington Post article. Absolutely, you know, I, yeah. I became proverbial for them. They put me in their vast right-wing and, – and their theory, remember, their theory about conspiracies at that point was that uh, uh, people would plant stories in the press overseas, and that would be picked up by the American press. And the first example they gave was my article, which I wrote for the Washington Post. And I'm and I'm an American, so you know, so their theory was screwed up from the beginning, but they, you know, they're they're wealthy, they're corrupt, they're guilty, every bit as guilty uh, as um, as as Trump is in many yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. So for different yeah, sorts but, of scandalous crime shit that you know they somehow got away with, like yeah, you know, yeah. So but and 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 the defense, you know, if you want to be critical of of, of Trump uh, with you know some thinking person. Usually the defense is, well, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, I kind of lost my point here. <laughs> that, 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 that Hillary, Hillary is, is as bad as Trump, right? But, but better to be like better to have Hillary than Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like she's a more skilled, she's a more skilled criminal. Like she managed, she she this guy's this guy's you know they've got him by the short hairs like six months into his presidency she like you know her and her and Bill managed to managed to escape through all kinds of fucking shit you know what I mean yeah absolutely it's like yeah. people talk you know uh, you know that whole thing it's like oh what about Hillary what about it's in a way it's like hey man if we're gonna get really fucking evil I'd rather back the person that doesn't get caught. So, yeah. like, that, that person's good at what they do, you know? It's like, oh, fuck Obama, fuck Obama, all this shit. It's like, dude, they weren't talking about impeaching the fucking guy. Like, so he must be really good at being a, at being a secret tyrant, uh, you know? So I'd rather that than the dude who fucking tweets every day confessing to crimes and shit. Well, but again, the, the point is that there's, there is no – Countervailing force. I mean, ordinarily we we have a Republican Democrat fight, but now Trump has crashed everything. You know, yeah. The, the, the Democrats are in a disarray. They, they, there's no leadership there at all. I'm going to sound uh, completely insane, but uh, I'll I'll say it anyway because I want to be one of the first people to predict it if it happens. And that is, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, folks, don't sleep on the Rock. I think The Rock is either going to be the next president or he's fucking going to run for president uh, <laughs> sooner, sooner than later. They're already they're – already, you talked about the Segalian dialect. It's like – and I talked about how creepy it would be if they put out somebody who's like – who harnesses the Trump energy without being having all the baggage. It's like the guy is The Rock. He'll reunite everybody, but everybody likes The Rock, <laughs> and it'll be like – They get a new Reagan, right? A new macho hero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I did go into the book about Schwarzenegger, uh, who, who was like buddies with Kurt Waldheim, who was, you know, one of the uh, managers of Auschwitz, Germany. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, you, yeah, you mentioned uh, Schwarzenegger. People are going to – it sounds crazy, but it's like Jesse Ventura, Donald Trump, Arnold Schwarzenegger. They've all been mixed up in the world of, like, wrestling and entertainment 
uh, you know, and then off of that, Ronald Reagan. I'm sure if he lived, he would have been involved in wrestling too. You know, he's <laughs> tailor made for that world. So well, it's you know, like there's a certain skill set well, that you acquire in that field that makes you, I think, a good politician. So well, remember what Reagan was involved in. You know, it was uh, Iran Contra. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was selling weapons to our enemies so that uh, they can make money to to fight the Contras in Nicaragua. Uh, yeah. And then there was the Insfall case, which is what, you know, my book, The Octopus, is all about. Uh, you know, the the, the promise on and all that. Um, you know, we kind of forget about that. We got this image of Ronald Reagan as, you know, great cowboy hero, but his administration was so bogged down in uh, <laughs> corruption and conspiracy. It's, uh, it's, it's actually kind of remarkable that he survived. <laughs> so sort of, yeah, that's true, because, I mean, I, I was too young for it, but I, I you know, I... I missed the whole Iran-Contra thing by, like, five years, probably. So I don't really know enough about it. But somebody mentioned, uh, not in the chat room, but somebody mentioned on Facebook uh, a few days ago, which is like, I don't I, Do you get mixed up in this, these arguments and shit? You probably don't. You're probably, like, above it all. But I, I have to see them. I, I see them like, I, like you drive by an accident. So it's like. Uh, well, actually, I have two, two Facebook pages. Uh, uh, one, of them, one of them is Ken Thomas, parentheses, Steam Shovel Press. And I use that one to uh, uh, mostly to transmit ideas and facts and stuff that have come along. But uh, I get involved in the debates. You know, if somebody says something particularly egregious, as long as it's uh, it's not, it, you know, the the whole Alex Jones style of just being angry and calling calling everybody names and yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's you know, I only. I put up with only a small amount of that. Only when I'm angry, I want to call people names. <laughs> right, right. Well, somebody um, said, I've never heard this. I don't know if you'd even call it a conspiracy theory. It's probably true or something in a sense, but it was like glossed over. But somebody said, mentioned something about Ted Kennedy working with the Russians to like undermine Reagan's presidency. Do you know anything about this sort of idea? Or is that just something that somebody picked up somewhere and was spewing it? Ted Kennedy and the Russians? Yeah. Um, Nah, it's not ringing any bells in there right now. All but right. I do. I should have googled it before I asked you, but yeah. I, I, it's not, I've never heard this. Before. I do think it's. I do think it's interesting that you know that it's, uh, the the left now is, is has 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 latched onto the Russians as the demons mm. because you know throughout the '60s, you know, if you were uh, a beatnik, you know, a beatnik, well, that was a that was a red smear. Remember, that was, comes off of Sputnik. Uh, you know, any anybody who was part of the counterculture was uh, being manipulated by the Russians, the communists. <laughs> you know, they were the bad guys. They're, they're for us, growing up, all, you know, and now they're, they've kind of squished allegiances. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's yeah. very weird. Yeah. Well, that's the fucked up part, too, because people say uh, they showed, like, a survey where it was, like, Republicans who have a favorable opinion of, like, or, like a Putin's favorability opinion is going up like with, huh. with Republicans which is like insane you know it's some, I think I, I, I like to see the side by side to see to see if they like if they like him better than Trump at this point but it's it's very weird uh, you know they've done a complete well, 180 you know, and they're all cool with Russia now well you know Putin is a seething evil intelligence Trump is big boom <laughs> you know yeah yeah well the thing is is like it's I mean, yeah. Well, it all comes down to, I guess, like, do you think Russia's evil or not? Because then, then it turns into, like, well, should we team up with Russia or not? And that, that turns into, you know, well, then they shouldn't be working with Russia. So it's all very, 
you know, if you circle back, it's like, are we being manipulated to hate Russia? I don't know. They're, they seem pretty evil to me, but I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? Well, Unless we can get really deep in the weeds. A lot of that popular sentiment comes out of a, a reaction to what is perceived as the, the new world order. Right, know? right. Um, uh, which, which is not exactly a conspiracy, you know. I mean, Marshall Plan, World War II, defeat of the Nazis, we did, they did create a new world order to try to maintain peace. <laughs> Uh, it was, you know, a lot of it was done conspiratorially, but um, they, you know, with the advent of uh, nuclear bombs, for instance, they, they thought that that was necessary. Now, we're kind of losing sight of that fact, and, you know, uh, that, that's how Trump has become a hero in many people's eyes, because he's dismantling this new world order that's supposedly expressing itself. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But the, point, but the whole thing, but the point is, it's like, the, you know, it's like who killed Kennedy? It wasn't exactly the CIA. They were like the trigger men. It was the military-industrial complex. Uh, the military-industrial, uh, if you, you know, emphasize the industrial, Donald Trump is very much in the center of all that. Right. You know, in fact, there's a whole, the whole Russian thing is about, it's probably about these sanctions. Uh, you know, he might have even just run for president so that he'd get these sanctions removed uh, because they're preventing him from being able to do business in Russia. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure he stands to financially gain if the sanctions are removed. He has his finger in all kinds of pies, so I would assume so. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and the corruption runs deep. One thing is that the Russians, the Russians are heavily invested in uh, retirement programs in this country, you know. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's weird. Yeah, but, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of Russian money in, in the U.S., a lot of it. So they're going to ruin everyone's retirement somehow. They're already working on it. They're doing a good job of that already, it seems. <laughs> What's that? We're all going to retire and uh, work in a, a, a global a bureaucracy that's mostly Russian, oh, but that's annexed America. Yeah, it seems so. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's, that's, the way, that's the way the baby boom is going to end <laughs> on these retirement programs in a, in a, in a global oppressive state. Well, I hope not, but you know, it's it's crazy. Like I said, well, actually, uh, anything, anything really can happen. You know, Trump is not going to survive, and then then it's wide open, you know, because there's no political leadership anywhere. Um, so that's exciting. That's you know, that's not, this is this is all bad news. It's it's, it's horrible. It's awful. Uh, but it will end, you know, and something new will come along, you know, and it's inevitable. So you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's stay positive. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's what I tell people. Uh, you know, I try to tell my family and shit. Like, don't worry so much about it. Like, it's not. You know, I, I think we're gonna be okay. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I'm pretty. I'm okay so far. I'm frustrated well, and annoyed, but I'm okay. Right, and you know, he seems to be self-destructing early enough that he hasn't really affected. Uh, uh, Obamacare, or you know, or done anything to uh, uh, really dis- dismantle important parts of uh, uh, you know the uh, superstructure we have, the welfare state. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he hasn't totally upset the apple cart yet. It's like that people, like it's like that climate accord thing. It's I get why people were upset, but it's like the guy it can't even kick in until like 2019. Will you fucking relax? Like, I don't think he's going to make it to 2019 as the president. So, like, I just yeah. – it may actually even not kick in until after the next presidential election. And I, 
I fucking just do not believe for one second that he'll run for a second term, even if he makes it all the way, you know, even if he makes it through these four years. I think he hates this fucking job. I mean, what do you think of that whole idea? Like, he's got, he has no, like, I think that he's fucking miserable, and I think he really regrets making this decision because, like, the eyes of, like, the country's police force are digging into everything he's ever done. Like, yeah. he's pretty much fucked himself. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, it hasn't worked. I mean, if, if if all this collusion with the Russians was really about making sure that he could make more money by getting the sanctions lifted and, and, and creating a better business atmosphere uh, with Russia, that didn't work. It failed. So so now what's he got? Nothing but, you know, the <laughs> all of the different miseries that, are, <laughs> that attend that office. Right. So yeah, I agree. And he's a pampered, you know, he's just always been a pampered little rich guy. And um, you know, this is probably really torturous for him. Yeah, I mean look at like you go from partying all the I don't know about partying, but you go from like hobnobbing with celebrities and, and all these Hollywood things and it's like a whole different tenor when you're at like the G twenty and shit. Like they showed a picture of him just kinda of sitting there twiddling his thumbs, probably because he was bored out of his fucking mind. Oh, you yeah, that's mostly the way you see him these days, unless he's in front of some kind of political rally where, you know, where his supporters are feeding him the ego energy. He looks pretty bored and miserable. Yeah. Of, yeah. I don't blame him. I mean, it, it, I don't know. I, I'd probably feel the same way, but that's why I'm not running for president. <laughs> but, yeah, he seems – so I can't imagine he's going to even – I think, yeah, I think some, he'll try and – that's the big question. Like, how's it gonna? It's it's a really crazy. It really is like a TV show in a lot of ways. It's like it's like reality has turned into like the greatest reality show we can imagine because it's like how well, it's the fuck is this gonna end? <laughs> like we're all we've signed up. We're on. We've invested in the show now. Like we have to go to the very to the end of the show. It's like how is this insane show going to end? It's scary. The Society of the Spectacle, yeah. Actually, I, I, have a, I have a quote in the book from Guy Debord, who, you know, in the 50s, the Situationists actually kind of and, and talked about this a, a great deal. I mean, since the 50s, it's been that way. Um, uh, every, everything, everything is part of a show. And actually, you can, uh, in, in many ways, you can, you can foretell the future. Well, there's another part in the book, uh, it's in one of the appendices, where I discuss these episodes of Route 66, have we ever talked about this before? Probably not, since we only talk once every five or six years. But there are there, there's this program called Route 66. Yeah, this is uh, the connections to the JFK assassination, right? Right. In yeah. 1962, a year right. before it happened. So it's the idea that in the what what happens in the in the media predicts what what actually can happen. I mean, the other case, uh, the other case about it is um, uh, Fred Crisman, the guy who's the grassy knoll shooter, said that. That TV show, The Invaders. You remember that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said that that show was about him, and that it had, you know, telegraphed. And this is a guy that, uh, again, Jim Garrison thought was the uh, uh, was the grassy knoll shooter. He said his whole life was being played out, and and as it turned out, uh, one of the script consultants for that show was um, the guy who's currently recognized in history as uh, Deep Throat Margate, who was also the guy that approved. Uh, Fred Krisman's work application to work at the Hanford Nuclear Reactor. <laughs> so, uh, and again, in, 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 in the, in the, there were three episodes of Route 66 which had details of the Kennedy assassination. They were broadcast, actually two of them were broadcast before it happened, 
And the third one, they actually had to remove from broadcast because it was literally about a political assassination. It was scheduled to be broadcast on November 22nd, 1963. Yeah, it's very weird. It's very yeah, weird. So there's, this whole, there's this whole thing about how the Simpsons predicted Trump. You followed that at all? Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. But I think you cleared it up in a way, too, because uh... – or at least, well, uh, I think anyone who looks deeply enough, not even you know, it's, a, it's like a puddle. You don't have to dig too deep. It's uh, people well, post a picture of him going down the escalator, and it's like that was from a later thing that they made, but they only we, mentioned uh, it in yeah. a previous episode. But it's all conflated, yeah. where people are like, "That's from The Simpsons 20 years ago," yeah. and it's like, "No, that's yeah. from The Simpsons last month." Yeah, it was exaggerated, way exaggerated. The the elevator ride was definitely off, but it was like in 2002. I think Lisa Simpson had to run against. Uh, uh, President Trump being reelected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely, but they, yeah, they definitely mentioned. Uh, they definitely, you know, wrote him as a former president on the uh, an episode where they go into the future. Shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, well, that's you know, like you said, the Route sixty six thing, the uh, the lone gunman thing. I don't really believe. I mean, the Simpsons ones. Wait, wicked tenuous. Where it's like they were just. They said they were just making a joke about they needed someone who'd be a shitty president. As, for the for the joke, I mean that was the only, you know, there wasn't like right. a time traveler in there. <laughs> like I don't think one of the Simpsons time writers back then was a time traveler. Although any any real hardcore conspiracy theorist, please dig into that one for us and, and kind of <laughs> come back to us well, with, with your notes. But what do we what do we make about uh, let's let's take one of the June sixty six episodes, for instance. Uh, there's one that opens up uh, at Fort Worth. Uh, this episode opens up to Fort Worth, the Fort Worth Airport, where Kennedy flew in. One of the guys, you remember Route 66 was, was a kind of a remake of Kerouac and Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two guys travel the country. One of the guys gets a job at the Trademark, which is where uh, uh, JFK was supposed to speak uh, uh, b- before the, uh, the, the motorcade route was rerouted. Also on the show, the guy, one of the guys talks, gets us on the phone with Charles Cabell, who was the... Uh, uh, the city executive who actually rerouted the uh, motorcade route to make that right turn to put him on Elm Street to put him into the sniper's nest. Uh, you know, and then like two or three other things and all these little details about the Kennedy assassination in a show that is broadcast a year before it happened. You know, I talked, I one time talked to John Judge about this. You know Judge, right? Did you ever talk to Judge? The name um, doesn't ring a bell, actually. No. So John, my John, Judge, John Judge is the inheritor was the inheritor of May Brussels' um, mantle as a conspiracy expert. May Brussels is the mother of us all, the, 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 the queen mother of conspiracy theorists, a brilliant woman, a researcher. Uh, and she, her uh, reporter's case was John Judge, who created the Coalition on Political Assassinations in, in D.C. And for many years, it was, you know, like, like the main conference to go. He would do uh, conferences in D.C. and Dallas and in Memphis, too. And he was like the main conspiracy organizer uh, for many, many years. And his idea about the uh, Route 66 thing is that, you know, they're actually, you know, that people who uh, planning, uh, who work for planning, who are, you know, part of the CIA that plan assassinations and all that stuff, actually brought them out, you know, that the script writers for somebody like Route 66. I mean, it could, it could just be, you know, this all could just be coincidence because there's so many of them. You'd have to at least call it synchronicity, uh, but that uh, that you know that they will they actually work out the details of an assassination like the JFK hit in the scripts because it's a perfect opportunity to do it to see how it all play out. 
Mm, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, it's intriguing, uh, yeah. I mean, some of the more, yeah, yeah like you know, the lone gunman one, that's kind of another one where it's like, it's harder to write off in a sense. It's like, well, where the fuck, you know, did that come from? You know, did now, that, was, that appeared in the March before 9-11. Mm-hmm. And it had a plane. Uh, had a plane headed toward the trade tower. The, the thing is, it also had. It was the, the plane was turned around by something called the Octium chip, uh, which was an oblique reference to the Promise software, uh, which is the book I wrote about the octopus. The whole octopus conspiracy had to do with uh, this uh, Promise software, which gets to the heart actually of what we're discussing, because the Promise software. We know how computers track our every movement nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing about the Promise software is it has this fantastic extrapolation capacity. And this was like in 1992. Uh, yeah, yeah, Danny, yeah. Danny Casolero is the writer who was investigating this. It, so it, 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 it could tell you, and, and that's the whole point of it being in this lone gunman thing and all these shows that predict things. It predicted things. So here was a show that was telling us about the Octium Promise software pre- prediction capability. Here it is predicting Nine <laughs> Eleven. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's all it's all very strange. Well, there's a whole underlying like it's like kind of funny that you mentioned that in a sense. I think you you sort of touched on it a little bit there, but it's like the there's a whole underlying thing here too. It's like the I guess I, I would call it probably like the big conspiracy that arose up in the Obama years that, that I think was the most serious one was sort of like this. Uh, it's like widespread spying stuff that's going on. You know what I mean? So it's it's uh, that that's sort of like underneath all this shit where it's like a lot. I think it, it's going to be revelatory if they really try and nail Trump because I think a lot of it's going to be like all these recordings and intercepts and shit that they legally got within the confines of national security. Um, it'll raise all these questions like, you know, is it is it fair, quote unquote, that they that they caught <laughs> Trump, you know, working with the Russians via all this data collection that the NSA is doing? I think it's going to be like a complete. It's going to be a mind a mind blower in a lot of ways for people because they're not sure they're going to have a real cross to bear on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, thinking along these lines, I wonder. How much you know? I mean, the unlikelihood that Donald Trump ever got elected, you know, recalls the unlikelihood that George W. Bush was, well, who was never elected, but the the unlikely path that these people take uh, to the president, you know, it's never an outright, uh, you know, a victory <laughs> in a true democratic sense. It's always some squirrely little thing. As if you know, as if you know, they they've been. Uh, you know, like Donald Trump was a television character, uh, you know, kind of a brutal boss television character. And they were going to put him in there one way or another. And, you know, these, these weird, the weird set of circumstances that made him president, it's the same thing with, with, with George W. Bush. All these guys, you know, and, and Bush, of course, got us, you know, into the Iraq war and, you know, everything about George Bush's presidency was just a joke. Yeah. Yeah, and just like you know, with Donald Trump and all these guys that are just you know they're either malevolent or uh, incompetent, really, yeah, or, or incompetent, but never get there in a legitimate way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's for sure. Yeah, you made a point of that. Yeah, and you you know you you reference the uh, 
the Bill Hicks joke where it's like the Democrats, they all, or something like the Republicans, they only get wounded. And oh, yeah, right. Yeah, these past names, sure. Yeah, JFK killed, RK killed, Martin Luther King killed, Reagan wounded, <laughs> George Wallace wounded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very. Uh... <laughs> you know, never get them all the way. And, so, and, and then, of course, it appears to the media like oh, there's a balance here. You know, everybody, everybody, you know, there's a certain amount of people once I get shot. There's yeah. a lot of people once I get shot. Yeah, but, yeah. And, well, that's yeah. So, I mean, I can go off on a whole other tangent, but we'll 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 I might circle back <laughs> to that. But yeah, it's uh, it's just really interesting. I thought it was like uh, there's a, there's a sense, like I said before, it's like I don't want to be melodramatic here, folks. But it's like the JFK thing, the 9/11 thing, and now this Trump thing. It's like you point out in the book. I I feel like we this is a, a a new chapter. We're in a new era here, folks. Like this is a real change in the world that is on par with those events. And it's like it, you can kind of see it in a sense because this is where I mentioned your book. It, you pointed out in the book. It's like in his march to the presidency, he first wiped out Bush and sort of like wiped the slate clean of all the conspiracies that were swirling around that guy. It was like he he yeah. triumphed over whatever string-pulling powers that be magic that the Bush family had. He beat them, and then he beat Clinton and all the, the Clinton machine. He defeated, you know, the whole liberal, uh, you know, in, industrial complex. So, <laughs> you know, and, and so that's why I think we're we're – we're on. We're at the beginning, or we're on the precipice of some whole new thing here, because I think that's the that's the story they are trying to tell us. Whoever you know, whoever is the hand of fate. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I actually I was uh, almost a Trump supporter in the early days when he when he first came on the scene, and I saw he was decimating the Republican Party. I was thinking, well, what's so bad about that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't really think he would win like everybody else. Yeah. But you see, the, the, the thing about it is, though, you know, like, like, like uh, John Stewart and Steve Colbert, it was the culture of ridicule. I even reproduced in the book all the, you know, the front pages of the uh, New York Post and newspapers, you know, with uh, Trump in clown white, you know, and being called an ass hat and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, that worked in its favor. All that worked in its favor. We love to laugh at the clown. And, 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 you know, if, if he has a broad support, that's where it comes from, you know. I think his, his actual, you know, of, of the voting public, he has a very small demographic, and, you know, it, but enough in the right places that he got the electoral college. But, but the broad base, I mean, I, I, I like it, you know. I think it's a pretty funny show, too, you know. But, you know, but it, it, I guess it all depends on how it concludes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, believe me, man. I've said before, it's like I want. I liked Bernie Sanders, dude. I want to be a part of a populist movement. I just don't want one who's led by fucking crazy Donald Trump. Like, like that's why I said, you know, you throw the rock up there, dude. I'll have a bumper sticker on by the morning. You know, I'm all, I'm all for, I'm all for the populist movement as long as it has like someone with some sense behind it. But not that I know if the rock. That's the sense behind it, but he seems he's a crafty businessman. I think he'd know he'd know how to uh how to run a country. That's you know, I think better than Trump would at least. Well, you know, if it's all image, if it's all spectacle, you know, you know, maybe you're right. You know, one of the things about Bernie Sanders, I was a big Bernie Sanders fan because he uh uh back in the sixties 
he wrote an article for the East Village Other about Wilhelm Reich. It was one of my weird conspiracy interests, as you probably know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and it was very interesting. He wrote a review of uh, The Cancer Biopathy, which was a, a book that, uh, um, that Reich wrote about possible cancer cures that was misrepresented a lot of ways. And, in fact, even though Bernie Sanders thought it was a good book and thought um, Reich was onto something, he didn't actually write about any of Reich's experimental work. It's just more of the psychological aspect, which, you know, gets characterized as you get cancer because you feel bad about yourself, that it's an emotional problem. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so, uh, and, and Bernie Sanders kind of applauded that idea in Mother Jones, of all things. But, you know, I thought anybody, anybody who has an exposure to Reich, you know, these days something, you know, he's got, you know, more intellectual cojones than, you know, your typical party hack, so. Uh, that got me on board with Bernie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's like people, anyone who's like listening to this and going, ah, Benal, fuck you, who's still listening, who's like, fuck you, Benal, you, you don't support Trump. It's like, dude, Hillary's a, I, I support fucking Bernie, man. I supported Bernie. Hillary screwed him. Like, and everybody knows that. That conspiracy's been pretty much revealed. It's like, you know, it's another well, it's one of those conspiracies. Yeah. It's like. All up until those emails leaked, they're almost kind of like, I kind of think there's something shady going on here. And then all that shit came out, and everyone was like, okay, something shady happens, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I, I, my feeling is that it's a false dialogue, you know? Uh, we'd certainly be having a different conversation if Hillary Clinton had won. But oh, it, wouldn't absolutely. Be that, it wouldn't be that much different, you know? I wouldn't be sitting and saying, oh, thank God we had Hillary Clinton. No, like said, no, not at all. Early as 1992, I, I was attacking them for, you know, conspiratorial problems in a presidency. Absolutely. So, well, that's that's yeah. a good point because it's like, uh, if Hillary had won, I think the I think a lot of I think, like a lot of the mood of the country would be in in the same vein. I think she would be like besieged with scandals, and uh, you know. But but yeah, and, and and we'd be going through the same thing where it'd be like this, this the, the country is in complete gridlock because the the president is beset by scandals. So like you're right in a sense where it's, uh, and I've heard this sort of argument just on a on a basic level from people just in observationally being like these are the two best people you can put forward. But it's like maybe maybe that's the fucking conspiracy, folks. Maybe that's the conspiracy that like they just wanted to make sure they put forward any president who would be besieged by scandals. So it didn't matter who won, as long as it was someone who was in that kind of position. Wow, anyway. that's, that's, actually, that's a pretty good idea there. You know, that, that actually fits into my conception of conspiracy spectacle. You know, that, That's what they want to put out there, somebody who, who can create this kind of controversy to keep the show going on while, you know, whatever nefarious forces are doing what they're doing. Uh, we get somebody entertaining us with uh, one corruption scandal after another. Yeah. Well, thank you. I learned from the best, man. I've been following your work for a long time. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, so we solved the world problems. So you guys can... Yeah, we just solved the now. conspiracy tonight, folks. So I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I'm going to do a complete yeah. 180 now. Don't trust The Rock. He's, he's, the, he's, the, he's going to be offered as the answer, and God knows what he's going to bring us. But, you know. <laughs> Now I can have a foot in both camps for when that happens. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, man, it's it's been really an interesting ride. Uh, it's just absolutely mind blowing 
like I said, it really makes you wonder where the fuck all these people... Oh, I, that's my complaint, in a sense, about Alex Jones, too, where it's like, okay, they say he has the presidency here, and he made his... I know he, like, really made his living on these ads, but it's like he made his bones, let's say, on the on the lives of these people who died on 9-11. It's like, you helped get this guy elected, man. Why aren't you out and fucking... Why aren't you on the phone with Trump getting this thing reopened if you're, if you're Mr... Mr. Uh, the government was part of this, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, isn't that typical, though? I mean, once when you're an outsider, you can sit there and uh, complain and whine, and then when, you know, finally you you come to power, <laughs> you know, you don't see him, you know, attacking Trump the, the way... No, not at all. No, no. <laughs> I guess in a sense it was smart of Trump to co-op the conspiracy culture because then it's like no one... <laughs> no, right, right. You know, but it backfired because then the media was like, well... <laughs> If he's if he's part of the conspiracy culture, we have to we have to upend that. It's very it's it's really it's it's fascinating in a lot of ways. It's it's a fun. I know people are like scared and nervous, but in a lot of ways, it's a fucking fascinating time to be alive. Yeah, right. Well, that's what I was saying. It's always you know possible to crash and burn everything, and things start up anew again. So yeah, it can, it can be an exciting time. And I can see it, but it's scary. You know, it's scary. We, we can lose our freaking democracy. You know, yeah. Um, you know, things that, that that we take for granted may be gone. Russia may take over the world. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's terrifying. I mean, since I'm of the opinion that he's like in cahoots with Russia, my whole thing is like they need to get this thing straightened out as soon as possible. But you know, at the well, same time, it's reached a point where it's like when you get on a fucking airplane. I know people are afraid of flying, but my attitude's always like, once you're up in the air, it's that's it. Like, what are you worried about? You know, like yeah. unless you're our friend Greg Bishop, you don't have, you don't have the skill set <laughs> to jump into the cockpit and take over. Like you've you've essentially like just given, given up to fate at that point. So I don't worry about it. At this point, it's like I can't do anything about this whole thing. So I have to just you know, sit back and watch the spectacle. I think that, you know I think the last plane ride that I took that I enjoyed was uh, Greg was the pilot. Actually, we, we we flew around L.A. like we visited him. He's he's coming out here. Uh, you know, we're going to have a total uh, solar eclipse. And oh, one yeah. of the best places to see it is right here in town. So Greg's going to come out to check that out with me. Nice, nice. That's like in August? Yeah. Um, not quite sure the day is. It's early August. Yeah, I've heard yeah. a lot about it, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's got a good book out. We should talk about some books that people need to pick up. And one of them is... Uh, 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 re, reframing the debate, I believe it's called. There you go. It's, yeah, it's a, it's probably more memorable debate. than that. <laughs> it, it, that's close to it, but it's Robbie Graham is the uh, the editor of the book. I think Greg has a contribution uh, to it. That's that's a read. Um, the uh, collected writings of John Judge is out there now too, called Judge for Yourself. This is my summer reading list. Apocalypse Now, Judge for Yourself, right. and Reframing the UFO Debate. There you go. That's the summer reading list? Yeah, that's the summer reading list. And I guess I should tell people how to get the book, huh? How to get my book. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, we're going for, yeah. like, till the end of the hour. I hope you know that. Okay. So, I have but, no idea what part of the hour we're in, we're in now. Like 10 minutes past yeah. the hour. So we got, like, another uh, 45 minutes or so. But tell, oh, people, tell people where to get the book. Because while they're listening to this, they can go and get the book. And uh, okay. well, I got well, the book, so they can get it. Yeah. There are lots of different ways. Uh, Amazon is a big one. Just, uh, you know, put Trumpocalypse Now in there. 
they, they and they have that Kindle version, which is really kind of cool. Although, you know, I noticed the Kindle version doesn't really cost that much less than the actual book. I don't know what that's about. Should it be like have that? I don't know. I don't know. No, I, I, yeah, I thought I, I noticed it was like a bit. It was like, yeah, I thought to myself, I should just go buy this book, but it was like the convenience of getting it was. You know, and I should mention, I should mention one of the great things is uh, about the book is that it has an introduction by my friend Rob Sterling, uh, who is a fellow uh, conspiracy writer. He was responsible for a thing called the Conformist, uh, with a K, uh, a newsletter that was very popular, you know, back in back in the '90s. And uh, his his introduction to the book, I think, is, is absolutely fabulous. And you can read a good chunk of it on the Look Inside feature uh, at Amazon. So, I mean, even people who uh, are, are debating whether they want to buy the book or not. Just go there and read the first few pages because Rob is a really good writer. Uh, and so that's one place you can get it. You can get it from me uh, if you want an autographed copy. Um, it's, it's, you know, uh, it's like 20 bucks from me, but you have to send 20 bucks to my PayPal account, uh, which is – can I give that out? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Jesus, um, what kind of show do you think you're on here? I don't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> K23Thomas at yahoo.com. One more time. Give it to again because that was, that was archaic. What was it again? This is also my email address if somebody wants to get into an email conversation with me. Instead of going, you can, you can find me on Facebook at uh, Ken Thomas, then in parentheses, Steam Show Press. But if you want to just, uh, directly contact me and my, my PayPal account, if you want an autographed copy of the book, just send me $20. That'll cover postage and everything. That's uh, it. K two three Thomas at yahoo.com. There you go. K twenty three Thomas. So at yahoo.com. At yahoo.com. There you go. All right. Nice, nice. Well get the book folks, because I recommend it and I I enjoyed it quite a bit. And uh as you can tell from the conversation so far, it's like I'm I am i am really into this shit. I've been I'm I'm right on the cup of this Oh, that's what I want to ask you about actually, because we I floated this to you this morning, and you weren't really – you had kind of only heard about this stuff vaguely. But, like, I don't know if you read that article I sent, but have you looked at this this world of Twitter uh, conspiracy theory that's, like, uh, emerged on the on the Democratic side? You know, the, the Trump – hashtag Trump Russia sort of, like, uh, celebrities, let's call them. Uh, well, my first exposure to it was actually the thing you sent, and that was kind of difficult to look at. That was that Vox page. And every time I, I tried to read the articles, a little ad slid down in front and there was no way to act out of it. <laughs> so. But the internet it, but the internet's made everything better, Ken, come on. <laughs> it's very men in our consciousness, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well the gist of it is is like there's like three or four people and you should look into this uh when yeah, you get the chance. Yeah. Yeah, like uh list. I know I didn't that. send you the Bob Dylan list. No, all right. <laughs> we can, we'll, sorry, we're going to talk Bob uh, later tonight. Don't worry about that. Um, okay, great. Good. Uh, but but yeah, there's like these peep. There's like these folks on Twitter. There's like maybe three or four or five. Like uh, I know Adam Gorelli is a huge fan of uh, Louis Mensch, who's like this lady from England who served in Parliament and then moved to America, and she's she's the one who reported in October that there was a FISA warrant out on Trump or the Trump campaign, and uh, everyone blew her off as a lunatic. Then it all came out, like, in, like, February that that was true. And since then, she's – she's her and a couple other people who claim to be connected have – they released – they they 
they tease and sort of release a lot of scoops on this Trump-Russia story. Um, I mean, somebody needs to do a, a, a deep dive into sort of their batting average, but a lot of times they nail shit that's like a couple weeks ahead of time. You know what I mean? And it's become a whole subculture on Twitter of, like, people that follow this thing and and think they're ahead of what's unfolding, if that makes any sense. Right. So what they're predicting has some truth to it. <laughs> Actually happens or – On occasion, yeah. They get enough hits. They're, they're kind of like your, your – they're kind of like, you know, your celebrity psychics. They get enough hits to stay in the ballgame, let's say. Ah, Okay. They realize that when I get Andre the Giant cinched up in the launch position, when I slam him through the Trump Plaza, brother, from New York down to Tampa, Florida, the fault line is going to break off. And as Andre the Giant falls into the ocean, so will Donald Trump and all the Hulkamaniacs. But as Donald Trump hangs onto the top of the Trump Plaza with his family under his other arm, as they sink to the bottom of the sea, thank God Donald Trump's a Hulkamaniac. He'll know enough to let go of his materialistic possessions, hang on to the wife and kids, dog paddle with his life all the way to safety. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. But Donald, if something happens, you run out of gas, and all those little Hulkamaniacs run out of gas, just hang on to the largest back in the world, and I'll dog paddle us, backstroke all of us to safety. Oh, and thank you, Hulk Hogan. Let's get back to action. Wow. Unreal, Donald Trump, uh, one of the Hulkamaniacs. There he is right there, a Hulkamaniac. You really think so? Absolutely. Maybe I should join Twitter. <laughs> you should, man. It's a hub of conspiracy. It's a hub of contemporary yeah. conspiracy. I'll say that for sure. But you, you only get a certain number of characters to express a thought, right? That truly really is a fragmented way of doing things. Yeah, but it's good for, like, news collection and shit and getting uh, – the website I'd recommend, and a lot of people will roll their eyes if they hear – if they know of it and don't like it, is, like, Palmer Report. He essentially combs Twitter and picks up all their leads. And then run, and runs them out there on the internet, um, and a lot of them are like, oh, I can't even think of them off the top of my head, but they're just sort of like, there's indictments that are sealed, um, but have Trump's name on it, and uh, they're waiting for the go ahead to release it or something like that. They'll say shit like that, where everyone gets all excited and then nothing kind of happens. Or they'll say, you know, but then there are other times where it's like they'll be like. I talked to a couple of people, and, and Flynn's definitely record, uh, you know, working with the FBI. And then it came out like a few weeks later that he was, that he was working with the FBI or something. So it's like they, they have hits and they have misses, but you're never quite sure what's, what, what it is, you know. Okay. So they're like antenna, you know, mm. kind of feeling the landscape. and Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's a kind of a model of a, a thought organization I've had for a long time. Bulletin board, you know. Uh, if you take that source and other sources and you just keep putting, you know, there's a, there's a fact you want to follow and you just keep pinning different sources of what they say about them and then eventually they get a big picture. So. Well, that's what they, yeah, well, that's what Twitter is, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I mostly well, use it to, like, harass my, <laughs> I mostly use it to, like, harass my local weather lady, essentially. Because, like, <laughs> everybody who's in the media has to be on Twitter, so, you know, she'll post the forecast and I'll be like, what the fuck is that all about? You know, and I know she read it, so <laughs> so I don't think I'm the ideal. The the, the 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 president and I probably aren't their ideal uh cuss. Well what do you think of that whole thing that he's 
that he's used this. That he's like Alex Jones with the bullhorn, man. He's it's gone full circle in a sense. Like he his whole thing is to is to broadcast on Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, to, you know, speaking of fragmented consciousness, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of like short attention span theater, though, right? And he's, he and, and and most of what he tweets is wrong, right? As I recall, what he tweets is what is wrong, factually wrong. Oh, it runs the gamut. I mean, he just yeah. lashes out at people. Like, uh, I mean, I saw you. Got, I don't know if you saw you got into like a fight with some morning hosts on. Twitter. Oh yeah, right. Well, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, he 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 uses it, I think, to like shape the conversation of of the country. It's like kind of amazing right. in a way, because like he can right. he'll get on. But like again, I was joking with Adam Go Rightly, I'm saying this guy's saying so much crazy shit and throwing so much shit against the wall to get people talking about shit. Maybe we will get that UFO disclosure we wanted all this time. Like he's yeah. <laughs> he he can be the disclosure president just to. Change the conversation like permanently. Let me let me interject here real quick. Uh, what's going on with Adam? Go rightly. I haven't. You know, you put one of my favorite people. He's actually been here in my house. Uh, but I haven't. He's seen been him in online. my house too. Yeah. That's he gets, he gets, in some ways he gets around, but I haven't seen him online in a long, long time. He's or on. Heard, the, I feel like I'm going to sound like an old man now. He's on the Twitter. He's on he's Twitter. He's a quit. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's a. He's a voracious tweeter. I bet you. I hope he's listening right now because we're we're talking about it, and I'm sure he'll get excited. But yeah, he's Adam, he's all over Twitter, man. Adam, get back on your meds, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and write longer things like books instead of just tweeted notes. He's a big time tweeter, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let him know. I'll see if I can. I'll, I'll tweet him while we talk. But yeah, he's a, he's he's a. He he left us on Facebook and moved over to Twitter. I I, right. I agree yeah. in a sense. I mean, you can write more on Facebook, but it's just yeah. a cesspool nowadays, man. Yeah, well, you know, you, you can only blow so much, you know. And, uh, I guess we're dinosaurs for being on Facebook at all, really, anymore. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, in, in order for me to really get something out of the experience, I have to eventually create a book or, or, or a magazine or, or something just, you know, the just the thoughts that appear in my head. I don't need to broadcast every single thing that first enters my brain. What is that called? Um, I don't know. Well, I, I was joking with somebody a few weeks ago where it's like this Facebook thing is anytime anything anything happens in the world, you have to issue a statement. You know, right. you have to go on Facebook and be like, oh, David Bowie died. So sad. You know, like, and if you don't, it's like people think you're an asshole. <laughs> like, it's like well, why? Yeah. Why does the world need my opinion on you know the fact that Davy Jones died? Like, yeah, well, we're all sad. We don't need to. You don't need me well, to chime in. This has been a big thing about Facebook is always is always tried to manage people's thoughts. Like, for instance, they they always list people's birthdays. I I never respond to that. I never wish anybody a, a birthday. But and also the blow off button. You know, people can read your shit and not really think about it or do anything about it, they can just press a like button. Yeah. You don't even know if they're moving or not. Right. You know, so it's in a way, it really has been a way to fragment consciousness. And it's for, what, what is that thing that you have to give kids meds for? Oh, like ADD? ADD, yeah. <laughs> see, see what it's done to my consciousness? I can't even think of ADD anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I mentioned that on the show in a sense uh, last week, where it's like the the fact that you can block people and people filter their whole 
sense of reality through these social media networks is is why we have this fragmented reality. I think because you can, I can, I can go through the whole day without even hearing the opinion of someone who's on Donald Trump's side because I've managed to get rid of all of them from my online life. <laughs> and it's like that's not. I would, I'll be the first to admit that's not a good thing. Yeah. That's not a good thing. Right? Yeah, you don't want to. You know, you don't. You don't want to be in a. Uh, a vacuum and a tunnel. You don't want to just, uh, you don't want your Facebook just to be your mirror. You know, how, how are you going to learn and grow from that? Yeah. You know? Well, I agree. I just, I agree the only thing that. I require is a simple bit of articulation. You know, I mean, if somebody is pissed off about something I said, tell me why. Don't just sit there and call me an apple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. That's. I, I want to know what you think. And I want to change my opinion if you have a point, you know, but that kind of, is, which to me is common sense discourse, it seems to be totally absent. And I think it is partly because people have got ADD out there. You know, they need to shout at each other. And they don't think they're being heard. And then, you know, and no matter what you say, they're all to another topic anyway. <laughs> well, part of it is, and it's getting worse by the, by the day and everything, it's like the, the opinions are hardening. And it's like I said before, it's like these dueling conspiracy theories. And there's no, there's nothing people can agree on. <laughs> it's really right. nothing they can agree on. It's like well, because so much of it, like I said, is a false dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to agree on either side. They're, they're both, you know. Yeah. So, so the idea, and it's always been a challenge. It's, it's, it's actually the whole point of, uh, you know, when we were doing zines, and the whole point of alternative uh, publishing and all sort of stuff is to think for yourself, come up with your own answers, and then. Uh, put them out there, you know, not just shouting at each other, but actually thinking about it and, uh, and, and, and producing a body of work, you know. I mean, I used to know dozens of people like that, you know, who, who could actually write books and you could talk in extended conversations with them. I don't know anybody like that anymore. They all, you know. Well, you know me, so we'll, start with, we'll yeah. start with that. You have one. Yeah, there we go. There you go. But, you, know, like I said, you can call like me any time, Ken. But seriously, many, many great resources have gone. And it should oh, be absolutely, yeah. Don Judge Pathway. Acharya S. Did you know Acharya? I knew of Acharya, but I never, uh, I never had the chance to interview, do an interview. He wrote the, he wrote the Christ conspiracy. Was, yes, it was on sort of like yeah. my, my wish list type of guest, but yeah. I never got around and, to it. Yeah. And for and for many years, she 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 worked that side of the street. She was she's an ally that way. Sherman Skolnick. I was going to mention. Hey, man. I, like I said, I have almost nothing in my notes, but Sherman Skolnick is actually in the notes because I loved Sherman Skolnick. I just yeah. just love him. You know, he was up in Chicago. I used to visit him all the time. Oh. Dinner with him all the time. And there's nobody like that out there now. Oh no, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um, funny. I've 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 well. I can I can I can uh, I can empathize, man, because it's like I've been doing this show for ten years, and uh, I, I joke with the audience. I said because I took the last week off, July fourth, I was going to do a, a clip show, but I never got around to it. But the plan had been to like do an episode where we pull clips from like all the guests that we've lost over the years, and it's like the list is staggering in a lot of ways. Yeah. It really is. It's like a lot of folks in this field. I don't know. I don't think it's a conspiracy per se. I just think it's like demographics. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird it's demographic. Thing. Thing. You know, a lot of a lot of the talent in our gener in the baby boom generation is you know just we're just getting to the end of things. You know, I've, I've got health issues myself. You know, and that's okay. You know, we all have to 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 move on. 
<laughs> but it sure would be nice in my uh, dotage if, uh, you know, if some newer, younger people with some fresh ideas started getting active and doing something uh, other than being involved in Twitter wars and, and insulting each other on Facebook. I don't know. Yeah, well. Is, is that a lot to ask for? <laughs> <laughs> well, part of it is like I think that the – the medium's changed, you know? It's as the, as, as like, uh, you know, the 80s were like the zines and shit, and it's like the 90s and the aughts were the blogs, you know? Mm-hmm. By the middle of the aughts to now is, is sort of podcasts and video, you know what I mean? Right. It's, that's just the, the medium has changed in a tremendous way where it's like if you want to get into the, where where things are at right now, it's like you got to listen to podcasts or watch videos because people aren't, aren't writing. I mean, they're writing. Believe me, there's a lot of good writers out there. Joshua Cutchin, my buddy's working on some really good stuff. It's like, but there's, but they're kind of few and far between. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I remember there used to be a zine called Amusing Ourselves to Death. <laughs> That's a zine. You know, multiply that by, you know, factor of six gazillion, and you've got Facebook. <laughs> well, like, think about it. I mean, to make a zine back then, you had to like print it out. Do all you had to do a lot of manual labor. Like not man. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's called manual labor actually. But it's you had no. To, you're talking to a guy who used to get his zine published. Uh, had, to, had to drive out to a, a, a printer and pick up all the copies. Had to yeah. package them all up and send them out to like uh, a dozen different distributors around the country. Then had to keep track of you know they they would you know, the copies they didn't sell. They they tear off the top third of the cover and send it back or they'd send an affidavit, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, you know, and then, you know, subscriber copies, you had to go to the post office and get a permit. <laughs> it was a total mess. I'm glad, I'm not sad that those days are gone. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But this, but the reading the written word is like, is, uh, you know, is going away. What's well, funny. It, it's not, you know, Anyone who's listening that thinks we're being like old man conspiratorial, it's uh, Fox Sports <laughs> One, the website, which is like the, the number two to ESPN. They got rid of all their writers, and they're just do, they're turning themselves into a video, a sports video website. And it's yeah, that's just yeah. the way the way life is going. It's really yeah, part of it is. I think part of it's like people, you know, there's like fucked up social engineering at work, and it scares me sometimes. You know, it's people are on their phones. It's like I remember. I remember like five or six years ago seeing a commercial where it was like, you know, sign up for the cable company, you get super fast internet, you can watch your shit anywhere, you can watch a movie on your phone. And I'm like, who would ever want to watch a movie on a tiny little phone? And it's like, <laughs> I watch, now I want, I'll watch a two-minute video, but, you know, there are younger people than me, more tolerant, patient people than me, who are probably watching like the latest movies on their phone. It's bizarre. It's it's really well, you know, that changes civilization, folks. A lot of them have pads, and you know that's kind of a tell. And, and of course, you know, if you go, if you actually go to the movie theater, the screens at the movie theaters are smaller and smaller, whereas you know the, the screens on your television in your living rooms are larger and larger. Yeah. So there's not a lot of reason to go out. But you know, I just spent some time uh, visiting uh, my my uh, my friend uh, David Hatchet Childress, the guy who published the book. You know, the book. Apocalypse Now, so we're talking about people. Uh, yes, <laughs> published yes. by Dreams Unlimited Press. And David still does. Do you know Childress at all? I, I, I know of him. He's another. He's yeah. another uh, we, we sort of, you and I run in concentric circles. So. Right. We well, have a few, we have a few a, folks. Yeah. 
He's a TV star. He's on an ancient alien show all the time. But I've known him for many years, and he publishes. He still publishes a catalog, a book catalog. And, you know, he does a number of books every year, and he actually still publishes the books, and he warehouses them. Uh, and he's got this, this marvelous little place in uh, rural Illinois, in Kempton, Illinois, and, uh, and, he, and, he, and he sells books that way. Yeah. And uh, most people, I've been talking to somebody else, but I'm trying to, you know, I'm sussing around. I used to be, I used to be published by like a half a dozen different people because there were that many small presses that were interested in my work. Uh, and so now there's David, basically. <laughs> and uh, I was ta- I've been talking to another person who apparently keeps 500 titles. He's got these books, and some of them are like old UFO books from the 50s. And he's got them all scanned and, and available in PDF copies. And uh, I, I assume he's got this online, all these 500 titles. He doesn't print up a, uh, a print run of the books and warehouse them. Uh, he doesn't sell that many copies of any individual book, but he has 500 titles, and it's all on demand. You order the book, and they make the book when you order it. Right, right. You know? So, I mean, some of the things that are removed from that process is the simple joy of going to your bookstore or your bookstore uh, cafe, your coffee shop, and browsing books and, uh, you know, uh, seeing what's out there, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a targeted audience, but it's a, you know, or it's a, it's another way of reaching people. So, I might experiment with that with my next book. Yeah. Well, that's that's how it is now, and it's good, I guess, because any that then that then, then that also because you now you've written a million books, uh, so you can maybe have an opinion on this in a sense where it's like now. There was a process to write a book, in a sense. Like, you had to actually get someone to publish it. Now that you can self-publish, more people can... It's, it's ironic, because you're saying not many people are writing enough, but in a sense, um, other people can write. Whether they should or not, that's up for debate. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but, the, but the economics of it is different. I mean, when you write for a publisher, they pay you in advance, and you get royalties. Right, exactly. When you, when you do it this other way, you're making your money one book at a time. You're getting a bigger percentage of the cover price, but you're not selling near as much. And also part of the whole job has always been you got to go out and promote it. You know, that's the other thing that's, that's been a, a bane to my existence is the, the dropping off of uh, conferences. You know, there used to be a conspiracy conference that I went to every year in, uh, um, uh, somewhere in California, L.A. or San Francisco. It, it changed a lot. Uh, that, that is what we call conspiracy con. It doesn't happen anymore. There's still a lot of UFO conferences out there, but um, more Bigfoot conferences and ghost conferences now. Yeah, yeah. And I used to, you know, one thing I used to get flown over to England all the time to to talk for, to the 14 Times people. I think that magazine still exists, but yeah, it's uh, still around. Yeah, uh, but when it was run by uh, Paul Stephen King and Bob Ricard, actually, one of the times that I went over there, we actually uh, I, I went there when they discovered Charles Fort's apartment. Uh, right, right around the corner from the British Museum, which is now it's a plaque there, you know. And it's like a, oh wow, you know, nice. Big, 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 big but uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, so you know, I'm all dressed up and nowhere to go. I, I've got presentations. Last, actually, it's very interesting. The last presentation that I did was in LA, uh, and I was at the time I was talking about synchronicities and, and, and coincidences and how that how that relates to conspiracies. You know, it was just really it was just really the beginning of of my study of, the, of this whole phenomenon. Uh, and what is very interesting about that is that uh, it was the whole affair was arranged by uh, Skyler Alfagren. Do you know Skyler? 
I, I, another person. I know, actually, I do have exchanged messages with Skylar. I've been trying to get her on the yeah. show forever, but she's blown me off a million yeah. times. So, she's a, she's I, if she's listening player. to this, Skylar, this is the last chance to get on with All of America. This is the last <laughs> season. So if you want to be a part of the collection, get your ass yeah. in gear and get in touch. Otherwise, you'll show uh, up on the next show, and you'll never be able to brag about the fact that you were on this this exclusive club. Well, she, she's absolutely fabulous. I hope you do get her on. But she set this up. She set me up at the Cecil Hotel uh, to stay there when I and she, she made all the arrangements. That's for the, where that girl disappeared. That I, that's what I'm getting to. I nice. met that girl. I was that night. This is, I, I'm here to talk about coincidences, right? This is my my talk at this thing that this guy that set up. And I met Eliza Lamb. Uh, I sat across what from her. What the breakfast. fuck? Are you serious? I, I sat across from her for breakfast. I she there's a bookstore next to the Cecil. Have you told this story before? Yeah. yeah oh, well, wow. I mean, I've never heard this story. This blows my mind because I've heard about this story forever. I've, yeah. I've looked into it, but I did not – I never heard that there – this is – Ken, my fucking mind has just exploded, okay? So well, you met how this girl? You about it. <laughs> Holy shit. This is wild. Okay. Let's let's slow down now. I, I need to pick my jaw up, up off the fucking floor. Oh, my God. Okay, so you were there – you came up, they brought you out to California for a thing, and you were at the Cecil Hotel. At the suggestion of Skyler, Skyler, who has a, a dark sense of humor, the Cecil had a reputation as a ghost hotel. A number of murders were committed there. Uh, but, yeah, there was, a, there was a commons area there uh, where everybody had breakfast in the morning, and I sat across from Eliza Lamb. Because I remember, that, you know, when, I got, when the news hit, it was like a week or so later after I left, that it all came out that she disappeared, and I saw her, saw the video of her in you know doing this weird things in the, uh, elevator. the elevator, and I recognized her immediately because I I'd also seen her at the uh, like I said there's a bookstore right next to the the sequel called the the last bookstore, wow. and uh, she was in as well. So. Did you talk to her at all or fuck it? You no. I mean I'm sure honestly it's probably like one of those things where it's someone who almost got on the plane on 9/11. You really have right. insight into like what actually happened, but you were there when it happened. You know, I remember she was kind of hot, you know. So <laughs> hey, yeah, that's why you remember her. I remember that. <laughs> right, right, right. That's unbelievable. That is like that is really fucking strange. Wow, I don't. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, the whole the whole phenomenon. Of, like I said, I've uh, I've got this whole talk now about uh, coincidences and synchronicities. It's one of the the few ways of uh, communicating to people what um, uh, an, an unreal experience is like. Like if you've ever actually seen a real UFO, or if you've dropped a lot of acid. Yeah. Um, or you know, you try to explain that to somebody. Uh, there's there's no real concrete way of doing it, but if somebody has experienced a weird set of uh, synchronicities, and not just coincidences. Then you know you, you can almost get across the idea. I mean, it has a long, interesting history. That actually, synchronicities used to be called seriality, and the guy that actually identified the phenomenon uh, was a guy named Paul Kammerer, who was known in the history of science uh, as a as a guy who uh, uh, tried to propagate an alternative to Darwinian evolution called the inheritance of acquired characteristics. Arthur Kessler wrote a book about this. Yeah, um, it's a kind of it's kind of discredited, although it's the basis of all Soviet science. But the appendix to that book that he wrote about that is all about the reality. Like he would, when he would commute to work, he would make notes of everybody who carried an um, a red umbrella, everybody who you know wore their hair this way or 
uh, you know, uh, had this kind of shoe on or said this thing, he would note how many things were synchronous. You know, uh, Carl Jung was the guy who changed the idea from seriality to, to synchronicity. Uh, but it's a, and, and like I said, Kessler, Arthur Kessler, one of the great writers of the 50s, did a whole fabulous study of this thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so that, anyway, that's, that's where I was going with my lecture about coincidences. Um, you know, and then you were there for like one of the world's most yeah, recent yeah. famous bizarre <laughs> mysteries. Like I said, it's like dropping acid, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. Um, like I said, I was, I'm still kind of stunned. I'm like, whoa, that's that's really weird. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't know what to say. I wish you had, I wish you had like talked to her so you could also have that <laughs> claim to fame. But just seeing her is good enough. Wow, that is so. Well, you know, did you notice any commotion, like, while you were there? Like, because I assume she disappeared while you were there. Like, did anyone, did you notice any, like, any, no. you know, uh, furfural in the... No, no, I, I recognized who she was. I thought, you know, all those weird hand gestures that she does in the the elevator video. I, I no idea what that was all about. I didn't see her with anybody, although she seems to go out of that elevator and and talk to somebody or, or meet with somebody or that there's somebody else there. She's... Uh, I, I saw none of that. I saw none of that. I should I should also mention that prior to that, uh, uh, Skyler found herself like uh, I think ten or fifteen minutes outside of Sandy Hook, right at, right when all that was happening. Wow, that's weird too. Yeah, so she gets dragged in some coincidences. I mean, this goes on and on. I used to when I traveled more and lectured more. Uh, whenever I go into the hotel, I would I would turn on. Uh, the uh, uh, CNN news, the national news, and there'd be a story about the the place where I was staying, you know, but it was a national news. It wasn't like a local broadcast. That would happen time and time again. Well, you I know, Robert, Andrew, Robert Anton Wilson goes on at length about this, you know, the whole law of 23s. I, do you, have you ever read Robert Anton Wilson? Uh, yeah, on and off, yeah. yeah. yeah a, lot of my, a lot of my crew is, is into that shit. I, yeah. I, I'm thinking I... I what you're saying rings a bell in a somewhat of a way, the synchronicities and stuff, because when I I was a part of this conference here in Massachusetts, in, uh, it was like a double connection in a sense, but I was part of a UFO paranormal convention here in Mass, and uh, Nick Redfern and Peter Robbins came into town, and I got them at the airport, and that was the very day, the very moment that the... Um, the, the 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 bubble boy uh, the balloon boy happened. Do you remember balloon boy? When the, uh, that's really it, okay. it was a UFO balloon that went up, and they weren't sure if there was a boy, a little kid inside or not. And it well, was, I did remember that. Yeah, and it captivated the kind of like an OJ car chase, uh, um, <laughs> where they were like, "There's a balloon. It could have a little kid inside." You know, we're watching it with our traffic helicopters. It's, oh, what a tragic thing, you know. And it turned out he wasn't even in the balloon. But that all went down as I was getting those guys at the airport. And then, <laughs> to sort of like connect it then to another weird thing, is that the event was held in Watertown, Mass., which is where they caught the Boston bomber hiding in, his, in, in a boat. So it's ah, like, there's two weird synchronicities like around that weekend of like kind of what you're talking about where it's like somehow it connects to like a big big story not not one of those things where it's like oh uh you know i'm uh i'm having a tuna fish sandwich and my cat loves tuna fish so it must be you know this is like a a, a pretty massive sort of synchronicity right 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 
Very weird. So what was the event? Why why was Peter there? Oh, it was some UFO, like... uh, Was he lecturing on Reich, you know? No, no, no. He was doing Rundlesham. This was like 10 years ago. Oh, Rundlesham. Okay. Yeah. And Nick was doing, I think, Bigfoot or or, uh, Chupacabra or one of those creatures. Yeah. It was a good time. It was too bad it went over, but... You know how these... Peter Peter has a connection with Ellsworth Baker, who was a great... uh, uh, disciple of, of Wilhelm Reich, and, and Peter himself is a great uh, 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 expert on on Reich and Reich's later years involved in uh, UFO activity. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. You had Peter on your show, I take it, right? What's that? You've had Peter on your show? Oh yeah, a million times. Well, not a million, yeah. but <laughs> enough, enough. So what is the deal? This is your last show. I don't get it. What's going no, on? No, no, no. It's my last season. This is your last season. Okay. I do it. No, I'm sort of. I want to morph into something else. I want to do something differently, different. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like everyone. Everyone has a podcast now, so I need. I should be doing something different. You know. Right. Look at man, Dylan. We'll, we'll, this is a perfect segue into Dylan. Actually, Dylan talk. Cause it's like, <laughs> you know, Dil, my hero and idol and 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 you know, faux god is Dylan. So it's like the man went from <laughs> covers to sort of folky. Folky originals to rock and roll to to whatever the Rolling Thunder review was like sort of like almost like a like a weird I don't even know so what you call it an awesome uh, that's my favorite period is the Rolling Thunder so, review. Commedia dell'arte is what it's called. What's that? Commedia dell'arte. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, and sort of like folk revival. It wasn't a folk revival, but it was like it was I don't know, like a vaudevillian show. You know that period. <laughs> Then he went Christian, then he went, uh, you know, 80s, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, he, he may evolve. That's what I want to do, you know. I've been doing 10 years of this sort of, like, weekly, semi-weekly podcast. I want to do something different, you know. And that's, that's kind of the idea. So. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'd, I'd, I'd love to find out what that is when you figure out what it is. <laughs> what uh, different can you do? Really? I'm kicking around ideas, man. You know, I was I started the podcasting thing back before anybody else did, before it was called podcasting. Yeah. So it's like now everybody right. has a podcast, you know. Okay. Break some new ground, dude. Take me with you. Hey, man, you'll be – please, you kidding me? You'll be – you know, if you'll get on board the ship, brother, I'll fucking have you anytime. You know that. You know, uh, you know Dylan's a Reikian too, right? Do you know the line that Dylan has about Reich? No, which one? You know, Joey from uh, Desire. He's talking about Joey Gallo. Spent oh, 10 years okay, in yeah. Spent 10 years in Attica reading Nietzsche and Wilhelm Reich. They threw him in the hole one time, trying to stop a strike. <laughs> nice, nice. He's been bombed in an Oregon box, right? <laughs> he's, he's the man, dude. I was... Uh... So what do you think about this latest stuff? You know, I was, I'm, I'm disappointed that you never sent me your list. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I was I was kind of like all fired up about it one night, and I I was tweeting about it and mentioned like I should, like I might, I might start tweeting my favorite Dylan lyrics on the on the on the tweet stream or whatever. But then I kind of like never got around to it. But yeah, it's the new stuff. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of like this this new period of him doing covers and shit of uh of standards. Like I'd rather American him write original stuff. American songbook. Yeah, well I love his writing too. But uh, I was uh. uh uh, that that last uh, album that he did of original uh, songs, what was it? Begins with a T. Uh, oh, all I know is that the the last album of original songs had what I think is like in my I, I you know we I, I, it's, like you said it's hard to pick five favorites. Uh, 
Um, but I would put this like in my own personal like current top ten. That's what I think I like about Dylan is like you can listen to some songs, and then all of a sudden you'll be like, you know, I haven't listened to Blonde on Blonde like in years. Let me let me pull that one out. And listen, then you're like, oh, I forgot about how fucking good this song is. You know, so the new album, that like epic Titanic song is. I think it's one of his very fucking best. I think it's like one of the very best songs he ever wrote. I think it's that yeah, good. Yeah. It, it is absolutely yeah. breathtaking. Well, you know, that, that's a reworking of a kind of a standard folk tune, right? That's not, that's not a totally original uh, tune. Yeah, what but I mean, he put his own sort of like... Why can't, I, why, can't, why can't I remember? That's the last album of original material he did. I can't, re- I can't remember the title of the song. Of the uh, of the album, but the thing that that, that I found interesting okay. about that album are those is, sirens in the background I hear. Yeah, it looks like that's a tribute to Greg Bishop. He has sirens in the back of his show all the time. So. Yeah, I'm hoping it doesn't trigger off the dogs. Oh, <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, Dylan's voice on that last album of original stuff was really, I mean, uh, for, for somebody who who defends his voice, I think he's the greatest singer ever. Really, uh, I. I I thought on that album he was really getting into some some rough territory, but now this new this American Songbook stuff, the Frank Sinatra covers and all that stuff, he's back to like you know his crooner voice. Yeah. So my concerns for his his his, his health <laughs> have improved a bit, uh, but I, I I love this new stuff. I mean it's almost perfect for me, old guy trying to retire early. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of my mood. Well, I, I it's just that, like the last. The last there was like a, tr- a trio of uh, of like original albums that came out before these American standards or however they're called, and um, those at least like the, at least each of those albums had like three or four good, really really good songs. You know, I'm thinking like Summer Days, uh, Tweedledee Dee and Tweedledee Dum. That one's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of really good songs. Uh, I'd have to look at that. If I could see, like, the actual playlist on those, I'd be able to pull out, like, five or six where I'm just like, those are great songs. Yeah. Well, you know, my favorite period is the Christian period. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've kind of identified myself as, uh, and, and and bringing this back to my book, you know, the book opens up with a quote from Leonard Cohen, mm-hmm. um, whose religious period is also one that I think is, is great. People, When people ask me my religion, I tell them I'm, I'm a Leonard Cohen. Sometimes I say a Bob Dylan. <laughs> but I'm usually I'm a Leonard Cohen Christian because uh, Leonard Cohen was a Jew <laughs> who became a Buddhist. Became a, you know, and this is another great favor that Craig Bishop did for me. When I visited him one time, we went out to Mount Baldy where uh, Leonard Cohen studied Buddhism with Buddhist monks at the oh, Mount wow. Baldy. Yeah, and and that was great. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I I think both those guys have a real. I mean, when it comes to Christianity in this country, we think of fundamentalist preachers and. Jerry Falwell and uh, kind of backward thinking, uh, but I think that the, you know if you listen to these guys, they have a different idea about it. That uh, is one that you know, no matter how uh, unhip you might think being a Christian is, uh, you, you, you know you might come up with a, you know a different idea about it if you listen to them. Yeah. No, I mean the songs definitely the songs are good. I mean uh, don't get me wrong. I guess that people used to complain though that he would. Uh, like he would sermonize between the songs and shit. Wasn't that the big complaint about sort of like that period that like if you went to see right, him? Right, right. But how often does that happen? You know, you go to a rock show, they do their they do you know they do the record and then they're gone. Dylan would stop a show. You know, people start if he do it, he'd start a, a Christian song and people would boo. 
and he'd say, you know, and he'd turn the lights on, and he'd start telling, you know, start preaching about Armageddon. Well, you know something? It's funny <laughs> you say that because uh, it's funny you say that because when you responded to what I what I mentioned, I thought to myself, uh, I've seen him live now like seven or eight times, and my only fucking complaint was like that he never said a word to the audience. Is that so, right? Yeah. You know, you only, yeah, so believe me, dude, enough. I would love to sit there and, in retrospect, you know, I said it, oh, people were pissed about that, but now that I think about it, it's like, fuck, man, I would give anything to be at one of those concerts to hear what, he, what kind of crazy shit he was saying. Who knows, you know? If the man's you a know. fucking genius, we should listen We should listen to whatever he was saying between the songs. Yeah. Well, you know, I've seen Dylan dozens and dozens of times, right? Uh, which is probably one of my earliest zine efforts, right? I helped produce a magazine called Talking Bob Zimmerman Blues. Nice. In case haven't in case people haven't noticed, uh, we've entered the Dylan stage of the show. So <laughs> I will well, let's let's plug because uh, we're getting near the end. I want to keep talking to you if you don't mind after the hour. So uh, sure, uh, not on the not not uh, not off the air. We'll keep the show going. I mean, so um, and I'll give you a heads up. You're like nine minutes left. Uh, but the, yeah. the book is Trumpocalypse now, and people can get it through Amazon, or uh, they can contact Ken, and Ken can be found on Facebook, uh, Ken Thomas, Ken with two N's, K-E-N-N, Thomas, Steam Shovel Press, uh, and that'll pull him up, I think. So that should be able to, you'll be able to get in touch with him. Get the book, folks. It's really, it's really, really good. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And like Ken said, it's it has the feel... In a sense, it has a feel of a time capsule, but in the same sense, it's like there's nothing really out there right now that could serve as sort of like the jumping-off point for people who are, like, looking at the current situation in the world right now and being like, how the fuck did we get here and what the fuck is going on? That's what this book pretty much strives to explain, you know? It's like, this is where this guy came from. This is how he got elected. Um, And here's all the shit that we don't know quite yet. And so it's it's excellent. And uh, as someone who's a huge student of this uh, Trumpocalypse, <laughs> uh, I, I highly recommend the book. And and uh, yeah, I have a question well, for you though. Somebody asked. This is this is the value of Twitter. Because uh, uh, Adam Go Rightly, I've been exchanging. He says uh, I said that Ken thinks you disappeared because uh, you know you're not on Twitter any. You're not on you're not online anymore. People wrong. Like uh, like, so you you don't need all the characters. You just you just need to get the the point across. And then I I said I told Ken you should get on Twitter, um and and I was and he retweeted that and I looked on his thing and somebody had a great question. This is this is a perfect question for a legal eagle. If Trump goes to jail, does he still get uh, Secret Service protection? Well, you know, the thing is, he will never go to jail. He'll he'll, he'll do what Nixon did. He'll resign before being impeached. In exchange for, like, a pardon, you think? Uh, I think my – I'm starting to think my money is on – I'm starting to think my money is on he's going to resign for health reasons, quote-unquote, and say that he's getting sick or something, and try and – and and then they'll – and try and, like – uh, they'll they'll sort of give him and his whole family somehow a a blanket like pardon. That's my uh, concern, yeah. but I think I, I don't know. It's hard to speculate. I, yeah, I'm just I'm just curious about how he's going to spin it because no matter what he does, 
he has to define it as some kind of great success for him. A win. It has to be a win. Yeah. yeah. So he made America great for a week and a half. <laughs> as he decided to receive his shadow. <laughs> yeah, well, I could see him going, listen, uh, you know, after I got back from whatever trip, I checked with my doctor and they said that, uh, you know, I, I'm ill with this or that and I need to take time away to, to take care of myself. And so I'm resigning. It's my theory. I don't well, know. You know, and then, then it'll be like, then it'll be like, oh, he's dying, dude. You can't, you can't just leave him alone. He's dying and leave his family alone. And that'll be it. And he'll die like, you know, in two or three years. Or fade away somehow. Yeah, that sounds like, say, what is he, 70 years old and a very indulgent lifestyle? Yeah. Yeah, and we don't really know what well, like, look at, like, look what happened with Reagan. He, he, he left office and disappeared for like a decade. It'll be like one of yeah. those things. It'll be like, God, that'll spawn conspiracy theories. It'll be like, oh, people people still go and see him, but he's in a wheelchair and he's in a vegetative state. No, he's not. He's still... <laughs> <laughs> he's still... He's still coherent. He knows what's going on. He was forced out of office. It's like... This guy is going to be yeah. a conspiracy factory no matter what happens. That's a good point. He, yeah, he, he, would, he would even turn a resignation into some selling point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And like I said earlier, the fucked up part is uh, when the election was going down, it was like, hey, it would be interesting to see what would happen. Now, like I said, now we bought the ticket to the show, man. We're we're in we're in the show. We're gonna find out what yeah. happens. And it's like this is not this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> That's the deal. That's the deal. I mean, once he goes, the spectacle is in our hands, right? And since there's no leadership anywhere else, we don't know what's going to happen. So I think it's a perfect moment, perfect opportunity for people to get creative, and you know, in ways that I probably can't even imagine. But it's a, you know, we can turn a page here. You know, it's a, it's, it could be the end. <laughs> you know, we could, we could start bombing North Korea tomorrow and start a, you know, global Armageddon. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's short of that. It might be an opportunity for something new to happen. So, I'm optimistic. You know, I'm, I'm Timothy Leary optimistic. There's another guy who's been gone for too long. Yeah. But uh, turn on and take it where it's going to go. You take it where you can take it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's like we're getting on, we're on the plane, man. We don't really have any choice on what what's going to happen. So yeah, let's hope for the best. I like to think now. You, you know, you, I'm sure you've given this some thought over the years. It's like I was joking when he first got inaugurated, like about what he knows about what they told him about UFOs. But the more I think about it, and uh, Stan Friedman said something that really made me gave me pause in the sense that it's like, especially with regard to Trump, where he was like, the need to know thing isn't just like, like that you don't need to know. It's that like, we're protecting the secret from your own, from you. So like, we, unless there's an absolute need to know about whatever the secret is, you know, <laughs> uh, we can't well, tell yeah. you cause you might, you're, you're, you know, you might tell other people. And it's like, that's definitely like what they would think with Trump. Like, there's no oh, yeah, fucking he, way they would tell him about the UFO phenomenon. Or, like, go, yeah, is, dude, yeah. aliens are real. Like, you cannot trust him with that information whatsoever. And I'm sure they, I'm sure whoever knows the answer, if there are people in the government that do, definitely came to that conclusion. Yeah, he would Twitter it out, right? What's that? Yeah, he would Twitter it out. What was that? 
Oh, that's a British lady who tells us that the show's almost over. But we're going to talk past the... But, uh, yeah, well, let me make a point, though, that uh, that's when, when Trump decided to run for president right after uh, Obama uh, said something about Roswell. Oh, really? Well, I know he I know he decided to run for president after Obama, like, ripped right. on him at the thing. That's what people yeah. point to as the – well, that's the other thing I – that's – we're going to go right over the hour, folks. So uh, thanks to all the live folks who are listening, and uh, enjoy the remainder of the show when it's available on MP3. Ken and I, uh, thank you for joining us. I probably lost, like, I don't know, 15% of my audience forever because I – did this show, but I don't go fuck because they're, they're fuck. They should wake up by now and know what the fuck is going on, dude. It's like not even, you know. I'm open to the idea that that that, that like there's two conspiracies running concurrently here, folks. It's like there's the Trump Trump work with Russia conspiracy, then like someone who orchestrated Trump to work with Russia, who is even more, you know, that's the big bad guy of this story. Maybe you know what I'm saying? It's like there's this shit goes deeper than. You know, it's like that. It's like that old expression. It's like the government has science that's like a generation ahead. It's like the real conspiracy is a generation ahead of what we're talking about right now, folks. So, you know, maybe that's what we should be trying to figure out. You there, okay. Yeah, I'm still here. That that weird lady is. Well, you know, I, I tried to make the point before that the the book does contain some pro-Trump points of view. Absolutely. Like Thierry Mifon, who's a, uh, a French writer. Oh, who's, yeah, talk, who's, about, talk about Thierry Mifon, because I, I saw that part of the book, and I was like, right, that was right. one of the more, I should have put that in the notes. That's one of the more enlightening parts of the book. He was like one of the first people to come up with 9-11 conspiracy theories. You know, he, he was famous for that. Uh, but his, his, um, uh, his idea was that Michael Flynn uh, was, was hired to um, reform the CIA. Right. And, yeah, yeah. So, so he goes on at length about how Michael Flynn was actually, you know, his whole purpose was to go in there and to, to root off corruption. And, of course, he's like, he's like the center of the, of the, of the <laughs> corruption scandal. Right. <laughs> uh, and what's interesting about this is that that appeared in um, um, uh, Nexus magazine. Are you familiar with Nexus? Sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, Duncan Rhodes is a, he's a friend of mine. And Nexus is a great magazine. It's been uh, it's been around for a long time. It's an alternative medicine thing on New Age stuff. And, but I try lately, to I try to limit my reading to Mad. <laughs> well, that's where you find the truth. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> talk about but, a thro- talk about a throwback joke. We'll see how many people in the yeah. audience get that one. But if there was a but if there was a mouthpiece for uh, Russia today or for the uh, Russian intelligence agencies. It was Nexus. Yeah. They're the ones that published Terry Mason and, uh, and and kind of the, the, the pro-Trump stuff, which I find fascinating. You know, I've always I'm always fascinated when new age kind of hippy dippy type publications glom on to something that's kind of fascistic like Trump. <laughs> well, you know, there's a whole school of people in the in the uh, at least in the UFO community and other parts, I think, that are like think that his whole purpose of being is to upset the globalist agenda. Which makes perfect sense to me, but at the same time, it's like this is our best. It was to me, it was like a Sobey's choice from the beginning, where it was like, if this guy represents the best chance to upset the globalist agenda, like I'll become a globalist, dude. Like it makes more yeah. sense. 
It makes you well, know why would we why would we elect an inept buffoon to fucking upend the globalist agenda? <laughs> you know, it's like a genius. Well, you know, then we're, what's that? I prefer the uh, the term military industrial complex to the globalist agenda because you know if there if there's a globalist agenda, it's globalist financiers and entrepreneurs like Trump. Yeah. In fact, that's probably what this scandal is about. That uh, the the sanctions that we uh, uh, put against Russia for invading the Ukraine has cut into his businesses. You know, he's, he's got all these Russian ties that he can't develop because of his sanctions. And so that's why he's working with the Russians to get the sanctions lifted. That's just turning out to be harder than he expected it to be. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, I I think that, yeah, the whole point, the whole deal was he, he gets elected, they help him out, and he gets, uh, he takes down the sanctions. They said he was trying to do it like the first within the first few days he was uh, inaugurated. Yeah, it's, so it's, 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 I mean, it's his own reason on death row. It's all you know, his whole reason for being for doing it in the first place. It's all about his greed. His bottomless greed, you know. It's like the most richest, most powerful man in the world, and that's not enough. Yeah, and I think that I, I mean, listen, man, we're in agreement on this. It's insane that yeah. you know, it's like this. He's actually just – he has no loyalty to anyone who's – you know, he has no loyalty to the fucking country. Like, he, whatever it would take to win the election, he did, you know. And, I, and, and, I, and as fucked up as it is, there are people who say, well, you know, they hate Hillary Clinton is so much that they, they'll say, well, what difference does it make? He, you know, whatever it takes to win the election. But it's like, I don't know, man. I, that's, a, that's a bridge I can't cross. Uh, well, it, it does kind of show you where his heart lies, you know, where his, where his loyalties are to his pocketbook. To himself, to his own yeah. ego. It's, well, I said I, I joked about this behind the scenes with people, uh, but now that I don't think it will ever be possible, um, the he I think he could have been the, the UFO disclosure president if you just told him, like, listen, man, if you tell the world about UFOs, like, we're talking Mount Rushmore-level shit. We're talking face-on-a-dollar-bill-level presidency, Donald. You know, this is Trump. The Trump name will live forever as the guy who told the truth about UFOs. He'll be, like, up there with Lincoln, dude. I think he absolutely would. I think he would have done it in a heartbeat. But, I mean, seriously, if, yeah. you, if you presented him with that scenario and he knew and he could confirm it somehow... He would. He wouldn't even need to fucking confirm it. He would just. He would just blurt it out and be like, "They told me UFOs are real." So that would have been my. That would have been my pitch to him if anyone actually got the chance to talk to him about UFOs. Yeah. Well, how would that advance his agenda, though? His agenda of being, uh, of his name, you know, his ego. Yeah, yeah. Would just feed his ego in the most. You can't get much bigger than that. Feeding some, you know, you're. You're going to be on par with Lincoln for revealing the UFO secret. I think that would be... It's not like he's got any credibility to squander. Yeah, he would have had to do it, like, right away. It's too late now. Now now everyone would be like, now you're really fucking crazy, man. Like, nobody would believe him. So what are you going to do now? Write another book? Uh, well, I'm going to push this book for a while. Of course. Um, what I'd like to do is uh, find places to speak, you know, find uh, conferences. or uh, You know, the UFO conferences still exist. You, they're still around, but there's not enough UFO material connected to Trump <laughs> to, 
to, to do a decent talk. I, you know, I'd like to somehow revive the conspiracy world, you know, the conspiracy. Well, the thing is, is it's, it's ironic that you say that because it's um, – I, I noticed this like after the election where it's like the conspiracy community, uh, they thrive on being disenfranchised. Like they right. they thrive on being uh, pushed aside. They thrive on being kept out of the channels of power. And with the Trump election, it's like a lot of the people that followed that uh, tune, I think, are kind of like not sure where to go in a sense. And that's kind of why they latch on to some of these things like Pete Gate and uh, the Democratic kid who got shot. And they say like they try and like harbor up these little tiny conspiracies because they don't really know they can't rage against the machine because they created this machine. Well, yeah, that's why you know that's why I try and try to get the discussion going along the lines of like you know Trump is not actually a conspiracy theorist, no more than Jesse Ventura ever was. Right. There's a there's a conspiracy celebrity. You know they they're using it part of a profile and. Uh, but you know the the real job then for the people who are interested in parapolitics is to figure out what the real conspiracies are going on with Trump, you know, and expose those. Right. Yeah, I just I th- I think one of the things that undercut conspiracy people now is that there's there's a one about Russia. You know, it's a conspiracy theory that 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 all the media is buying. You know, finally acceptance for a conspiracy. Ah, idea. yeah, yeah. Not so much that, that Trump has all of his conspiracy theories, but that there's this one about, you know, collusion with the Russians that uh, that, the, that the media won't deny. And so what do you think I'm falling for? Something here that is uh, a second conspiracy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. That's, we, we worked this out like a therapy session tonight on the show. Where it's like, <laughs> wait a minute. Something, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't. Like I said, it, it doesn't make sense. I ask myself, is it like because, like maybe, like, is there different like things that what you have to like back engineer it? Like, what caused the different things? And maybe there's something different about this where it's like this was caused by someone outside the country, and maybe the other events were caused by people. Americans conspiring is that the, is that the line that was been crossed here, where it's like it's it's cool if Americans kill Americans. That's what the Civil War was all about. But well, you know we can't have Russians coming in here and causing trouble. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm confused. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the whole point of the book was it was really just to review the the history so that we could anchor whatever happened <laughs> on shared reality. Yeah. Yeah. Anchored on the experiences that we've had so far with this guy. Oh, good luck. What's been the reception? Oh, oh, when that guy shot all those people, you put on Facebook that you heard that he had a copy of your book. Was that a joke or was that like real that you heard that? No, I did hear that. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember now. Um, ah, Childress. <laughs> What's that? David Childress told me that. Where the fuck did he hear that? He was probably just making it up, uh-huh. uh, trying to get me excited about the book. And, you know, it, it was actually there was, there was a certain irony there. I mean, I would at once be horrified and delighted at the idea. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah. When I see one of these nuts do something nutty, I sometimes, I'll, you know, I'll, 
if their Facebook profile is still up, I'll look and I'll be like, I'll just try and make sure they weren't a fan of my show. <laughs> like I really, I really don't want, you know, the guy that killed all those kids to be to be a subscriber to All America. I've had, I've had a situation like that. You know, the uh, when I was doing Steam Shovel, I never, um, uh, I never solicited advertising, but I had many advertisers that would come to me, right? And the only time I ever solicited an ad was I was, I was flying to New York one time. And I was reading USA Today. Actually, I was quoted in USA Today. There's a picture of me. And from right across from that, there was a huge full-page ad for the next stage in human evolution. And it was this long rant. And I thought, you know, this guy's got money. He's taking a full-page ad out in USA Today. I bet he'd pay for an ad steam shovel. So the one time, the one time I never solicited an ad, I wrote to these people, and it turned out to be Marshall Applewhite. Oh, wow. <laughs> Holy so I, shit, dude. And, in fact, Steam Shovel got in the news because, you know, when Heaven's Gate happened, they talked about how this guy had been taking ads out different places, and one of them was Steam Shovel Fred. That's fucking awesome. Holy shit. <laughs> dude, I love you, man. That's awesome. Wow. I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> you you know? are like a whirling dervish. You're like a Forrest Gump of fucking creepy history. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really really tell these stories actually with pride. (laughs) Well, it's too late now. You should you should be proud of them. Fuck! Wow, that's amazing. Oh my god! I had some correspondence with with it actually to get the ad. I had some correspondence with Apple White too. Yeah, I take it you didn't mention how they planned on killing themselves when the comic came out, right? No, they didn't reveal the whole uh, master plan to me. You know, it, 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 back at that time when I was first doing this stuff, it was, uh, you know, the, the, you know, it, you can imagine writing what I'd write. I've run into a lot of nuts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I haven't empowered them as much as I did Apple White, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. This yeah. field is rife with, like, really interesting characters. Most of them good. A lot of them crazy. You know. Yeah, well, no, I, you know, actually only two well, people. only, like, a handful that are dangerous. I learned early on to uh, uh, to use a post office box. Oh, but before, yeah, yeah. I learned, before I learned that, I only had two people show up at my doorstep. One of them was just this guy driving across the country, old retiree guy. We was sitting chat. We went out and had a coffee. The other guy is still a friend of mine. He's a gunman. You know, he, I've gone out to the gun range with him. I, he used to show up at my gigs with guns to protect me. He was my bodyguard. <laughs> oh, my God. This went on for years. This went on for years until he was put into a mental. Uh, <laughs> we still go to dinner. You know, he had he had a period. He was, you know, he got his depression overtook him, and he had a, a period in the hospital. But occasionally, oh, go to dinner. So, so that, you know, that's, the, that's the worst. That, that you know, outside of a lot of very strange conversations at the at the book selling table. Yeah, uh, I think that's the, the worst that ever happened to me. I was really more taken by friends and creative people that uh, uh, that spurred me on, you know. We used to have quite a community. Well, we're out there, man. you got to get on Twitter and shit. you got to get with the new millennium, <laughs> brother. Well, so, no, I think Donald Trump, to throw it back to Trumpocalypse now, which you can get yeah. on Amazon, is that, uh, you know, like he said the other day, people say his, t- his tweeting is unpresidential, but he, he says it's modern-day presidential, so... You got to get with how the president talks to the people now. Are those in the public domain? Do you suppose his twitters, his tweets? 
Yeah, they're part of like the government record. You know, you could probably collect a bunch of them and put them in a printed volume and sell them. I'm sure that you could absolutely collect them and you could absolutely sell them. Mm-hmm. So you and I should sell them. At, uh, I'll be your co-writer. And we'll just take them <laughs> off. To, we'll, do, we'll do no actual writing just so I can say I wrote a book so my mom will leave me yeah. alone. Well, you know, there's one of the other books that Chillis has just produced is, uh, uh, is nothing but the patents for mind control devices that were taken from the patent office. The book has no narrative, nothing. It's just those patents. And it's a big, thick book, and it's selling well, you know. There's no writing in it at all. It's just oh, that sounds like that museum in uh, L.A. I forget the name of it now. My Paramaniacs Will Kill Me. It's like that weird museum. It's like not really a museum. It's like a performance art almost. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Technology, the Museum of Jurassic Technology. Oh. Well, we used to have a museum of questionable medical devices here, uh, and it had an Orgone box. Oh, nice. Well, it's a, it's a strange... Oh, I didn't ask you about Dylan and the Nobel Prize. What did you think of that whole thing? I thought well, it was pretty was, awesome that he got the award and shit, but it was... Well, uh, I wasn't impressed with it. I kind of felt the same way about about the Dylan felt, you know? Okay, Nobel, Nobel Prize. It's not going to go to the top of my calendar. I got other things to do. And then you, you saw what happened after he gave the speech, right? Apparently he cribbed a lot of the speech from some kind of cliff notes. Yeah, yeah, offline, yeah. Some of the internet, yeah. No, I thought that was fucking A. I love that. I love an, that. An online uh, cliff notes. Yeah. 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 That, that, I think, was just, just marvelous. Uh, but everything else is, you know, I, yeah, he, he doesn't say it, but I'm sure he thinks a lot of this is really, you know, pretentious stuff. You know? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's I mean, funny. There's so many more powerful things on stage than accept the Nobel Prize. It's got to be thumbed down, really. That's well, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, yeah. I read, I was struck by, to be the old man who yells at Cloud now, it was like, I was struck by, I read, because you know how it was a whole drama that unfolded, that he won the award, and he wouldn't accept it for like two weeks, and then he finally did, because they couldn't get a hold of him, he was like, they made it into a huge drama and shit. And I saw people, like, posting online that it was like, yeah, man, he's kind of being a drama queen. He needs to just accept the award and shit. He's, you know, he's being entitled. It's like, dude, that's fucking Bob Dylan, man. Like, <laughs> you gave him an award. Like, leave him, like that's such, that's like thirsty fandom. It's like, you just want to meet Bob Dylan, dude. Don't, we're, we're not fooled by you, Nobel Committee. Like, if I had the power, I would do it, too. <laughs> Well, that might have all been stage managed by his agents, too. I mean, it's best publicity, you know, good or bad, it gets you in the news. Yeah. Yeah. Our mutual friend Greg Bishop does not like Dylan at all. He's not He's not a Dylan fan. I thought you were like his mentor. How did you not turn him on to the Church of Bob? Oh, no. Greg has the... Oh, I won't say anything. <laughs> What's that? that was my Greg, Greg likes all the UFO songs from the 50s, you know? And he's, uh, he does have a unique musical palette. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, you know, that's not his thing. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're into Dylan, you got to be into songwriting, not really into UFOs. If you're into UFOs, the kind of songs that appeal to you are going to be kitschy, 50-ish, uh, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. It has nothing to do that's, – that's the thing about Dylan. The, the, you know, I mean, the real genius of Dylan is that he's just the greatest songwriter to write a song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I said before, it's like – he runs the gamut of different genres. That's what makes him so good. 
Like you can go from one era to another, and they're completely different styles of music. He just gives you just enough for each different style and then moves to another one. And it's, to me, that's what's like so genius about his work. You know? well, well, I think what's really cool about the current thing is that he can keep it up. I mean, this whole idea of reinventing yourself, you know, we all have to do it at some point or another in our lives. Um, it, most of the time we have to reinvent ourselves when our lives fall apart. But, you know, he's kind of proactive about it. Right, and, right. You know, at the age of 70-plus, whatever he is now, um, finding a, new, a whole new area to explore. So, no, I agree. And, yeah. and, and, this, and this, if you don't like this period, you know it's got to be over soon. You that's great, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. And, yep. And, that's a great and, part. And you know he hasn't stopped writing songs either. You know, while he's been releasing all these covers, he's got a whole new notebook of probably. I hope so. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, that he's going to roll yeah. out a fucking awesome, awesome yeah. album of originals soon. That's kind of what I'm hoping. Yeah. 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 But he is the best man. I don't. There's no. To me, it's like the Nobel Prize kind of like sealed the deal. It was like I know it means kind of like bullshit in a lot of ways, but it was like. That's that put him on a tier above everyone else. It was like Tom Brady winning that last Super Bowl. It was like it was, you know, it confirmed that he was the very best. Yeah, I, I wonder if my attitude might be like his own. You know, I mean, he's Bob Dylan. Giving him a Nobel Prize doesn't put him above that because <laughs> he's already Bob Dylan. I wonder if he feels that way. <laughs> I don't even. I can't even imagine what he thinks. No. You know. Have you ever seen his house in Malibu? What's that? Have you ever seen his house in Malibu? No, no, I'd love to. Oh, it's great! It's great. There's a big gold turret. It's on a, it's on a cliff overlooking Malibu. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I haven't seen him Malibu. actually live like in uh, six or seven years, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I saw him one time. It's like my only really like good Dylan song uh, story in a sense. Where it's like I saw him. He played in Boston for three nights at a nightclub, and I saw him all. I went to all three nights, and he played like the song was for different all three nights, and he played um, maybe like three songs twice. So in total, he played like sixty to sixty-five songs. It was this like Rolling Thunder thing. No, no, no. This was like fucking two thousand three. Oh, so but it was just the sheer array of songs that he played. It was like holy shit, dude! You know, you walked out of there from the three days, and you were like, I just heard a box set of live music from this guy. Yeah. Like you didn't see the same concert three nights in a row at all. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that, that's 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 certainly within what he does. You know what? I'm from a time when we used to, if you wanted to get a Dylan concert recording, you had to you had to sneak in a cassette player. Yeah, remember these little key sixes that we used to try to, to get in and make recordings. Nowadays, if you want to you know, see Dylan at any point, you just dial him up on the web. Oh God, you can probably find. I bet you you could find every concert he's given in the last ten years at least uh, in yeah. audio form online. Yeah, and you know, and you if know you look hard he, enough, like I, it's not like something you can just do on Google, but I bet you. If you go to the Dylan Underground, you can find all of those concerts, the audio for them. It's a careful death. I know. I know. It's a, it's a shame. I, I have a huge amount of uh, concerts. Uh, I guess they're all on CDs up there now. Total waste of space. You can find it all online. It's like everything everything that the, uh, that uh, 
Uh, this is another middle-age, old-age lament. Everything that you've spent your life keeping close to you and collecting is now, you know. Instead, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Now, now it's all digitized and online. Yes, I, I grew up loving wrestling, and I would tape every big wrestling show I would have on VHS tape. And now for $10 a month, I can get all of that entire tape collection available to me digitally without having to keep it in the bookshelf in my house. That's what I was going to do. That's it. That's screw your books. That's screw your record collection, uh, video collection, everything. You know, if you've got junk in your house, you don't need it. You know, all you need is a, is a computer and a very large screen. Yeah. You know, a lot of people still like the artifacts. And actually, there's a big market for things like, you know, a vinyl is big now. What's his name? Uh, Jack White yeah. is really big. at, at uh, He's got a lot of vinyl collectors. He releases his stuff on vinyl. And it's kind of a throwback nostalgia thing for people who have money to burn. Oh, Ken, if you think if you think that's crazy, I don't. I mean, you gotta like uh, get on the Google and <laughs> Google. You know what's popular now actually is actually the uh, cassette tapes. Cassettes are really cassettes are back. <laughs> yep. Somehow cassettes are cool, and that's the way <laughs> that's the way music should be heard on cassettes. That's amazing. I'm telling That's you, amazing. dude, Google it. You'll see. It's like a whole hipster revolution where it's like, I want my tapes on cassettes. You know, I just had an Elvis Costello fan give me a couple of uh, uh, USB uh, devices that yeah. I can plug right into my dashboard in my car. And it's like live Elvis Costello from the, you know, the, in the past several years. Um, really, literally dozens of hours of tapes. And it's all on a USB plug. And I can play it in my car, you know. Yeah. yeah. We're living in a golden age. In any way. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this before. Actually, you inspired me because you said that you had the entire Dylan library on your uh, on your phone, and I went and did that too. Yeah. It's awesome to have. Yeah. So, yeah. shit like that is cool. But like, if you think about it, but we won't make it that far probably because it'll take another like twenty years. But someday, like all, like I said, like the last ten years, people have been taping this shit probably, like uh, pirating these recordings. And like in the distant future, maybe not, maybe not like in the next ten years, maybe twenty-five years. Like Dylan will be long gone, you and I will be long gone, and it's like they'll that generation will be able to listen to all that shit. They will have it all like digitized, you know. If they don't blow themselves up before that happens. <laughs> well, you know, my my when I study this this problem, problem, I keep thinking about how we do potential creators monetize it. You know, there, um, somebody came up with this great idea of taking all Jim Keith's old zines. Remember, I don't know if, you, if you've ever read Jim Keith, but he used to do a zine called Dharma Combat. And uh, somebody, some, some good-hearted person, wanted to scan them all and put them up online and make them all available for free. And he got uh, the permission from, from Jim. Jim. Jim was my writing partner for the Oxford. Yeah. And he got permission, and Jim did that to but he got permission from Jim's daughters. And I tried to talk them out of it because it's not for free. If you put it up online, the money that people pay for it goes to the ISP, you know, yeah. to the internet service provider. If you, if you, instead of putting it online for quote free and make money for those people, you make it into a book and sell the book, maybe the money could go to Keith's daughter. But, um, you know, people think I'm an old crank when I come up with ideas like this. Oh, come on, man. Information is supposed to be free. Oh, God, <laughs> that's the whole thing, yeah. 
Well, this whole field is beset with that problem in a sense, and you've been around a lot longer than I have, but it's like there's this twisted perspective on things where people are saying, or they say that, like, uh, you know, it's for the greater good, man. Why are you trying to... Why are you charging for this man? Aren't you a freedom fighter? Aren't you a truth seeker? It's like fuck you, dude. Like this, is, you, you have a job, like you're and you're demanding shit for free. Like this is my job. I am sympathetic with that point of view. Everything should be free, but it isn't. And but even though it, it might look free to you, but somebody's making money off of that somewhere, and it should be the creator. Exactly. You yeah. Know? No. I, yeah. That's true too. Yeah. 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 Huh. If they're like, oh, this book costs too much. Like I, I get two dollars from it. Like, that's bullshit in and of itself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. The economy of the paranormal is bad. You know, that's always been a problem. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of stuck for my next project. Like I said, I want to explore some of these on-demand presses to see if that can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But the only the thing is that, that comes with a second job, another job that I don't mind, and that is promotion. Yeah. I know. Uh, well, you're on this show, so now what, what, what more promotion do you need to do? I want you to do all the shows, but nothing will compare to this conversation, I think. <laughs> no, this is a really freewheeling one. I like that. No, oh, please. Yeah. Like I said, man, we don't have any rules on this show. It's all good time. And no commercials either, you know, because half the, half the time I go on these shows and I'm spending half the time listening to their damn commercials. We you come on, and then whoever's the host takes up half of the program segment, and then I get to say one or two sentences, and boom, another, another line of commercial. Yeah. yeah. I don't do them too frequently. Yeah. I, well, you know, like I said, I've been out of it for forever. This is only the second interview I've done in maybe three years. Well, I appreciate that you came on the show, brother. I really do. Yeah, great fun. No. no, I'm glad it was you. <laughs> Somebody yeah, oh, man. Like I said before, we don't have any rules on this show. I don't care. You know, I'm doing it on a cordless telephone from like 1995. So, <laughs> well, when you asked me earlier, like what I want to do differently, it's like I want to develop like a studio. I want to have like my own like place to record the show, not where I'm walking around on my cell phone. So, because I, I like, because but the thing is, I don't feel sad because that's what this show is. You know what I mean? The show is supposed to be dispatches from the underground. This is supposed yeah. to be like. The what you talk about with the celebrities who dip their toe in the paranormal and conspiracy theory and shit like that. It's like no, this is the real shit. This is like people actually talking on the fucking phone. And when you listen to the show, you hear them talking on the phone because that's how it used to be. That's how these conversations used to take place, not over uh, Skype and stuff. Well, yeah, that's great. To have a conversation like this is really fabulous because, like I said, the other kinds of shows you have to come up with canned copy. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. You, you, because you don't you don't you get that much time, so you have to make your points, and so we don't get to have a, a kind of a rolling conversation like we're having here. You know. Well, that's what makes us the best. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where can folks find uh, the new book? Uh, Amazon, and uh, you know I've got a stack of them it's as long as they last. Anybody wants to find copy. Um, uh, K23Thomas at yahoo.com. Also, the other day I found a box of books in my basement, conspiracy books. I put a list up. Oh, I saw um, that, yeah. Yeah, so anybody wants those, you should tell me before I send them to <laughs> the Value Village. <laughs> I would well, love to give. You say earlier about how it's hard to find a place to talk and shit. And it's like, 
that I think part of it might be that the community split. So like, what are you going to do? Pro? You have to have a pro-Trump uh, conference or an anti-Trump conference? Yeah, we probably didn't really do a good job of putting in the pro-Trump side. There, and there is there is some of that in the book. I, I know. That's uh, what yeah. I'm saying. Is like that's I talked earlier about you know JFK 9/11. It's like the Trump thing is that's the line, folks. They're trying to put you on one side of the line or the other, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's like are you are you uh, someone who believes this all happened how it did, or you believe this this? All these different conspiracy theories, but there's there's a, a very red line there across that, and we should all start to think like, why would they do that? Okay. Thank you very much, Ken. I really do appreciate it, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Uh, you know. Can people access this? Uh, you gonna send me a link or something to, or was it just a link? <laughs> yes. When the show uh, ends, um, then it goes up on Blog Talk. But give me like a couple days, and then I just take it and run it through the Banal America filter, uh, just to put the music and shit in. And I don't take anything out. So I will send you a link in the next two days, and you can like uh, trumpet, no pun intended, okay. uh, the episode. All right, fabulous. Tim, it was very good talking to you. Oh, Appreciate man, it was a pleasure. It was all, all right. uh, my pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a good all night. Right. All right, you too. Bye. All right, folks, there you go. That was Ken Thomas talking about Trumpocalypse Now. As I joked, I hope I did not lose uh, 10 to 15% of my audience uh, from that show. I think I was actually pretty fair and balanced, quite honestly. So, And for all the folks who were like, you never say what you think. Uh, I think I pretty much said what I think on this show. So hopefully it did not turn off uh, too much of the audience. We'll be back next week. I don't have the guest yet for you, but I have a couple of folks that are uh, just waiting to hear back from them. I expect no problems. I'll be going on vacation at the beginning of August, but hopefully we'll have something cool for you by then. Um, Good night, folks. I'll talk to you next week.